with that, the Dev Talk video games are finished. All I need now is the disclaimer from Andrew and Noah. I hope they haven't been wasting time arguing about which new game pairs better again. Okay, Andrew, you, you're not getting your facts here. Okay, okay no, no, are you just need to listen to me right now. Do you right see now, that okay? the no, little hedgehog there right is, now? It's adorable. Okay, I don't care about look the fuzzy little fluffball. Okay, you have to so keep it in a cage right now. Cats have free reign to go everywhere they want to go. There is no leveling right now. Okay, you just, you have no soul with you right now. You snuggle that thing right now. Hedgehogs have no souls to them right now. No souls. That is judging eyes. The cats will love you to the end of eternity. You fucking asshole. Do you not get this right now? Do you not understand what is with you. Hello, YouTube. I, I How's that disclaimer you. coming on? Disclaimer, disclaimer. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Uh, yeah, yep. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're just going through uh, one last read through now. Actually, uh, ain't that right, Andrew? Yep, totally, absolutely, hundred percent. What was it about again? <sighs> you know, the opening segment about potential language in the game. Right, right, right. Warning. Warning! The Dub Talk video game may contain language and content that may not be suitable for younger players. Listener discretion is advised. Don't forget to warn by potential spoiler content in the... Of, co of course, of course, right. <clears throat> also, there's a strong possibility that we spoil any and every video game being discussed. So please, be wary in case a game you haven't finished yet is being discussed. Wait, which program comes last? There actually is a little something before that. Um, the views expressed here are of the individual programmers and do not reflect upon the DubTalk project as a whole. Okay, I got this. And finally, we would like to express that we are all for the all-female work environment of cute girls learning how to make awesome video games and learn to express themselves creatively. And very intimately amongst each other. I mean, seriously, look at Rin and Co. Those are some of the most big, huge fuck-me eyes I've ever seen in my life. God, it's good to be alive. And with that out of the way, let's load this episode up so we can begin a brand new game! Andrew Lepselter. I'm 21 years old, and I'm almost fresh out of college. Ever since I was little, it's been a dream of mine ever since to get the chance to host my very own anime podcast. I've listened to people get to talk about anime to their heart's content for years with such passion and joy that sparked something inside of me that I knew that this was the path I was destined for. So now, I finally got a regular job on the Dub Talk podcast, and tonight I get to be the host of today's episode, where we get to talk about the dub of last year's video game comedy classic, New Game. <clears throat> tonight, I'll be accompanied alongside my other co-workers inside my cubicle. Behind me, there's this guy with a framed photo of Sailor Jupiter, whose desk is chock full of Sailor Moon DVDs and merchandise. Jamal! Hey, got my video games, got my beer, got my whistle for the sing-along. Let's party! Next to me is this guy who always talks about how bad video games are, even though he seems to enjoy playing them. We also thought he was watching pornography the other day at the office, but it turned out it was just Food Wars. 
It's our favorite cartoon historian, Noah Clue. I, it, it, it's, I, it's not like I like video games or anything. I just think they're, you know, they're kind of cool. But, but I don't like them or anything. Please, please, please don't tell my parents. And finally, she's shy and reserved and still a little embarrassed over an office ice cream mishap. But she is the most experienced and senior member of our office who's always willing to help me and give me plenty of helpful advice. It's Dub Talk's very own Lilac, a.k.a. Stephanie. No. <laughs> I was hoping the microphone would pick up my furious typing. <laughs> it did. It did. Okay. Okay. That was the joke. That was the joke. That's what we're doing. Okay, I I'm done talking like that tonight. All right, Aww. everybody. I'm sorry. I, I was trying so hard not to laugh during that intro because that's just perfect and beautiful. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, well, I think we should take a really vote. Fun to write. If Andrew can do that for the whole episode, I think that would be the best episode ever. He's not going to be no, able no, to no. keep that up for the whole episode. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. Aww. We, we, have, we have a lot of things to cover, no, we all... but that was fun to no, do. We all you, know what else needs to, you know what else needs to be covered? Those panties. Get some pants on. Pants? <laughs> <laughs> Obligatory panty shot. Go. <laughs> real, real talk. I sympathize with her so much because yeah. there is nothing quite like having like a, a rough day of work and just taking your pants off. Yeah, let it, let it breathe, but and not you, at work, please. And you two know this how exactly? Hmm. Because I'm recording this without pants on myself. <laughs> oh, oh, ah. I'm kidding. But even oh. if I wasn't, you would never know. No. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Anyways, let's discuss the plot of this show. <clears throat> the 18-year-old Alba Suzukaze is joining the character design team at the company that makes her favorite video games. But the real world of office culture can be a challenge for a total noob. From her awkward first day to her first game's debut, she's got a lot of skills to master. Luckily, her charming determination wins over her quirky co-workers, and before she knows it, Alba has joined the party. I can just imagine this with the really, like, shitty, like, TV cable narration voice. Luckily, her charming determination wins over her quirky co-workers. Oh and before she knows it, Alba has joined the party. Don't, don't, thank God. Don't start, or else a four kids new game joke will come into play here. No, Too please. late. Too late. <laughs> no. And we, oh, you know, the worst part is that with all the guns in this show, they're going to have to be censored. They're <laughs> it would basically just be squirt guns. It would be turned into squirt guns. We all know squirt, it would be turned yeah. into squirt guns. Umiko would be a squirt gun enthusiast all of a sudden. <laughs> it's like, they're not it real. Would, it would, honestly, it would kind of be amusing to see how that would work, <laughs> to be completely honest. Like, how would they like explain the pellets and be like, oh, these aren't like BB pellets, these are... Uh, little marshmallows that shoot out at really high velocity. No, they would have to edit it and add water instead of the pellets. <laughs> I'm still wondering how she could get away with that at work, but it seems like they can get away with a lot of things. Yeah. Basically. Full disclaimer, th this office that we are about to describe to you is probably not like most offices that you will be able to find to work in. No. It is probably not. Sorry to but crush at your the dreams. Very, at the very least, the people in charge seem to be very lax, but still know what they're doing. Mm. Speaking of people who are in charge, 
Let's get right into it, shall we? Let's talk about who we had for predictions for ADR director and or writer. Can I just... Full disclaimer for tonight. Oh, sorry. No, uh, go ahead. I'll jump in in a second. Uh, full disclaimer for tonight. Uh, while technically this is a full review of season one of the new game dub, we also did, in fact, make some predictions as several of us had seen the original simulcast and got the news as soon as they saw that this was getting a dub. They were like, oh shit, gotta make my predictions right the fuck now. So that's why we do have predictions, and this is still technically a dub and there are some, Getting that out of the and way. And there are some people who just went in completely blind like I did. <laughs> that's a because, good sport. Because of she one saw... goddamn reason. And when we get to it, <laughs> the one word I have to say here, and this person is going to know exactly what I mean when I say this, Fucking but, obligated. So let's Fucking try obligated, guys. What the he, shit? He's just sitting let's in front of his screen a... with, like, lightning in the background and <laughs> Castle Grayskull and a ch staff in his hand. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, minions. Do you my bidding. Bastard. <laughs> we will get to that. Yes. But let's, let's go about this in a roundabout order. Who would be, mm -hmm. who wants to be the first to mm -hmm. say predictions? I got nothing, so you're good. Mm -hmm. I'll go first. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if that's okay with you. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. All right, well, um, I, it's not like I like video games or anything, but... Um, I, I th <laughs> Baka. Uh... <laughs> Who wants cookies? I have a cupcake. I'm good. Okay, more for me then. <laughs> speaking of... And I got some water. Speaking... Go. speaking of sweetness, I also... I predicted for this one... Okay, so it's an all-female cast. There is, like negative two male actors in the whole cast. And the Funimation voice, the Funimation director, who seems to do the best with these uh, all-female casts, is Caitlin Glass. She's done Suzuka. She's done Love, Life, Sunshine. She's done, I, I'm sure you think of a ton right now off the top of your head. So when I heard that this was getting a dub, the first thing that came to my mind was, Caitlin's got to be the one to direct this. And her cohort to write the scripts to go with it has got to be someone who is really... I'm going to say just uh, really good at his job. And I haven't cast him in any of the other roles in here, because like I said, there are negative five men in the whole cast. So I put Josh Greeley as the writer. Okay. I can see I, that. I can see that too. Yeah. And especially on Josh's end, because um, he's at least rather well-versed in like fantasy, RPG, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So I would imagine he would be a decent fit at writer-wise if, if he were um, given the opportunity to write Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, Caitlin is. So Jamal, yeah, Jamal, do you yeah. have anything, sir? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I this is kind of a big undertaking because this has actually been been dubbed before season, just before season two started. So it's it basically to reiterate, it is a situation uh, very similar to Snow White with the red yep. hair, where basically season two dub was confirmed. And they released the full of season one dubbed on Funimation.com right before getting into weekly episode dubs for season yep. two. So, lo uh, so logically, the thought would be during spring uh, simul dub simulcast season, they would be recording new games. And because it's such a massive undertaking, I had uh, two directors. I, I also figured two assistant directors as well as two script writers. Jesus Christ, you went all out. This is your editing no, that, job. That's Good a, luck with it. That's a Dave Trosco episode, but okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, I had Cliff and Caitlin for lead for the main directors because you need someone that's well versed in gaming. Okay. I had I had Bryn April and Justin Briner because I figured you might need someone new for assistant. And I had Tia and Christopher Scriptwriters because they can handle the script very well, even putting a slight, few slight touches here and there. All right. I interesting perspectives. I'm curious what Justin or Bryn would be like in directing role, but as, that's as, an interesting. Discussion. As a matter of fact, Justin has directed something already. Oh, huh. really? Tell me later. Um, yeah. As for myself, I had uh, three ADR director predictions, no writer predictions. Uh, I had uh, Jade Saxton because she's done really good in comedies like Token Ron Boo and Interviews with Monster Girls. Uh, Jerry Jewell, who is basically does some crazy ass comedic shit, and I'm very impressed with some of the things he pulled off. And this other guy I threw in because I'm like, boy, wouldn't it be funny if this guy that we know oh so well was in charge of this show? So for my third prediction, as a sort of fuck it, why not Clifford Chapin? <laughs> to Mr. Chapin, we present you the fuck it, why not award. The prestigious award granted only the best of the best of those who we say, fuck it, why not? Not to be confused with fuck you, that's why. Can I I say one thing to Jamal? Go ahead. To Jamal, you fucking cheated. You have to have cheated with your director picks. I'm sorry. How did you get both of them? I'm (laughs) sorry. How the the fuck did you get both of them? Here's the thing. Rigged. When I... Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) No, when I started this, I actually made a list of 12 directors. Oh, oh I had my to god. Narrow it down. I had no. to narrow it down. One for At every... some point, you gotta like narrow it down instead of just dartboarding it. But I will say, in this occasion, you were very on the mark for our group of ADR directors for season one, as well as ADR writers. We have, for assistant ADR director, Brittany Lauda. Uh, for ADR director, we have. Caitlin Glass, and for our lead ADR director on this project, fuck it, why not, Clifford Chapin. <laughs> fucking obligated, guys. We're fucking like, obligated well as, to talk about new game, apparently. <laughs> as well as for our writers, uh, we have joining us uh, Matt Shipman and Nikki Schultz. Uh, Matt Shipman wrote the majority of the episodes, and I believe Nikki Schultz wrote about four or five episodes. Yeah. Um, as for their credits, uh, Brittany Lauda. Okay, I gotta do this in one. Hang on, I gotta take a drink. I'm gonna see if I can do these all in one. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, here we go. I, I've got a fedora coming to me right now. Good. Ladies and gentlemen. Actually, it's Lauda. Brittany Laud- Lauda. Let- Whatever. Fuck She's it, great. Do it live. I'll- Fuck it, we'll Ladies do it. Uh, at, no more fedoras. At, I'm going to burn all the fedoras in the world. I don't care. I'm the one with the matches tonight, Jamal. I do with what I do with them. Anyways. Okay, we're all screwed. Brittany's, uh, Brittany. Okay. <clears throat> Three, two, one. Brittany Lauda has done ADR for several shows, such as Holy Night, Ladies vs. Butlers, and Rio Rainbow Gate. Caitlin Glass has done various ADR projects, such as Oron High School Host Club, Riddle Story of Devil, Show by Rock, Sakura Quest, and Love Live Sunshine. 
Clifford Chapin, when he's not telling Deku to suck a dick, is known for such projects as The Rolling Girls, Yona of the Dawn, Keijo, Planetarian, and Castletown Dane Andy Lion, just to name a few. Uh, as for our writers, uh, Matt Shipman has written for such projects as Judenchan, Rio Rainbow Gate, and World War Blue, just to name a few. Nikki Schultz has written for other such projects as Castletown Dandelion, Overlord, and the currently airing Hina Logic from Luck and Logic. Bravo, sir. Ladies and All gentlemen. All right, I'm going to take a drink. Uh, Steph, would you like to go uh, first? Oh, boy. Um, the only... I'm going to say it like this. The only reason I originally decided to take part in this episode and part of New Game is Cliff, is Clifford Chapin. Um, this entire year at this point, save for one show that kind of haven't started yet, unfortunately, um, I haven't run into a show that he's directed where I've disliked the dub for it. So I'm like, okay. <coughs> Come on, gay. <coughs> what? Nothing. 2017, Jamal, not last year. Shut up. Alright. <laughs> Just say, I'm saying this year, not last year. Um, and I'm hoping that, I mean, I wanted to see if this trend would continue in. Obviously it has. Here's the funny thing with this, and this is, I personally think that Cliff is a really good choice here for the lead director. From what I've gathered with some of the shows that he's previously done, he's really good at video game adaptations into anime. So, Occubus Trip is really, really good, and despite Divine Kate itself being a shitty-ass show, the dub was at least moderately decent, and I didn't want to kill myself. Granted, again, I didn't finish the show because I didn't like the show itself. Here's a f I skimmed through his page, and I forgot he did Divine Gate. I'm sorry, <laughs> I just had to say that. that that's okay. Here's the funny thing. Before we found out that New Game was going to be a simuldub, I actually put Cliff as a director elsewhere. And based on my comments, you can probably take a wild guess as to where I originally had put him for directing for a show this season. Gamers? Convenience no. Store Boyfriends? No. The... Oh, the gal show. No. <laughs> oh, God, no. <laughs> Well, you said video games, so I'd assume you so, meant the Gamers so series. one, I haven't... Well, to put this into context, I haven't seen Gamers. 18If. Oh. Because 18If ah, okay. yeah, is okay. based on a video game. And I'm, this is something we didn't actually even talk about um, during the Octopus Strip episode. Cliff was actually playing the game itself all the while recording the show. And, I mean, in the case of 18If, my logical re reasoning for putting him there originally was... A, Again, video game adaptation, but also with the same day of simuldub, similar to Occupus Trip. So that's why I was like, okay, he has experience on both sides of those, let's put him here. But, obviously, the will hold, he's here instead. Um, personally, everything about the staff here is solid. Honestly. Both directing on Cliff and Caitlyn's end, because Caitlyn is also a perfect choice to step in when Cliff isn't available, because she's used to these comedic slice-of-life slice of life kind of shows and then Brittany Lauda I'm not familiar with her directing work obviously um, but it's nice to see her um, like slowly start to come up in here a bit more and I think this might be the first time I've seen Matt Shipman's writing 
Um, I know not Nikki Schultz, though, because I did watch Overlord and some of the scripts that Nikki Schultz did. Um, those were fun, too. And Matt Shimon, it's, he's, he's a pretty great writer as well. Everything on the staffing end and on the technical side of things, I think it's turned out phenomenal from, like, casting and the writing and everything. And I know, unfortunately, there was this concern... Uh, wait, I, I wanna, I wanna save that for my thoughts. I wanna try and move, and move this long too. No, I, I get uh, that. No, I'm just gonna say that there was a specific concern, um, when this was originally announced. And that's a discussion entirely, but, um, yeah, I think staffing-wise it's really, really solid and phenomenal, and I couldn't have imagined any better team to sit in here. Um, though, I don't no update wise is Kaylin also serving as a director for season two or is it just cliff instead now because uh, I, believe... I think Kaylin is still stuck on sakura quest right yeah yeah basically i think she's still mainly on sakura quest but if for whatever reason there might be an episode or a week he's not away he's unavailable she or Brittany might be able to step in and help out. I would think it at least as be of right now for season two onward. It seems like Cliff's the yeah. main guy. I think the uh, big reason, obviously, that Cliff and Caitlin are here together because not only did Caitlin have Sokka to quest, Cliff had um, Allison's and Roku. So obviously, their time kind of got split between two shows in a sense. I'm impressed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Noah, uh, what do you think? I think Clifford needs to go to bed. The poor guy. Oh, God, does he? The yeah. poor guy. The man is a workaholic. He's like the... me. I'm a workaholic, and so is he. What the fuck? Exactly. That poor man. Like I, He's probably sleeping pantsless in the Funimation offices every night. <laughs> that, wrap your brain around that mental image. Nah, he's too Just imagine uh, Clifford Chapin basically just, like, in his boxers, all sleep on the floor God in a blanket, just sneezing. Sure. It's like, does somebody talk about me? <laughs> he's not sleeping. He's too busy trying to get that SNES pre-order. <laughs> oh, luck with I, that. I'm convinced those aren't even real at this point. Uh, back on track. Uh, Noah. You're probably right. So, speaking of video games, that was actually a really good segue, Jamal. Um, as, uh, uh, let's see, I know me and Lilac, uh, have office experience, so we know right. kind of what it's like to work in a cubicle setting. This show is what I kind of wish working in an office was like. It's, it's a magical, idealized version of how you, uh, what your first job right out of high school is going to be like. It would have been great if this was like it. However, they do manage to get a lot of the elements of it correct, like the, uh, interaction between characters, or in this case, uh, interaction with your... Uh, fellow staff or your co-workers every day. So I was really concerned when this was going to get dubbed whether or not they would be able to maintain that naturalistic energy, that uh, banter back and forth that the uh, original sub had. Luckily, as you said, Lilac, the technical side of this is spot on. They capture pretty perfectly an English adaptation of these Japanese archetypes and bring them over into English. I didn't hear any lines that sounded off, I didn't hear any dated references. This is probably going to be one of the less dated shows just because there's no pop culture references thrown in, there's no slang. It's all really, those were the words, it's, it's very timeless, I guess. Now the, the mechanics that they're using, like uh, the video game controllers we see them using, that may date it a little bit, but as far as the dub goes, it's just really solid and I can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you're on the fence about sub or dub, Either one works serviceable for you, but if you're more of a dub person, absolutely pick this one up. It's really well written and really well directed. And admittedly, um, as um, 
someone who's not that versed in video games, Noah and I. Uh, Noah, the video game terminology, did you feel like it was written in a way that you could understand what they're talking about? The show seems to have been written for video game fans who are more uh, who are more into the story because they don't they, they talk a little bit about coding, they talk a bit about character design, but they don't go so far into detail that you have to be uh, versed in Maya or Adobe Flash or any of the other programs that modern video games are used to make. Like it, it, it's very broad. I think yeah. the average person can get it. Yeah, they made it broad enough so that way people again more versed in knowledge of video games and how it works and all that kind of stuff, they can kind of just jump in and they can at least pick up on some things rather easily. So I'm glad on the writing end that at least made it easy for me to understand. Yeah. Like, did you have a concern that they might throw in references to games that, like, like just throw in a name of a game or a reference to a character from a game just to appeal? Konami Code, Sonic, it's a me. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Did you think that they were going to do that? I'll admit, it was probably like the last thought in the back of my brain, but I didn't <laughs> think it would happen. And I think by the end of the first episode, um, as well as other shenanigans that happened when the dub was announced, and I'm just going to talk about that shortly, um, yeah. I, I felt like it wasn't going to happen. That's I didn't either. And so I'm glad that they didn't go that route. It's like, All right. So... Jamal, what did you think of well, the... Well, first off, I think Clifford is fucking insane. Well, we've long established that. Well, that's that's not an opinion at this point, even though it's <laughs> continue. No, because the last time he... The last time he did something like this was a Kiba strip, where it was the same day Samuel did. <laughs> at least oh, starting yeah. out. <laughs> so to do such an undertaking like this, he has balls, I'll give him that. He's pretty good. Caitlyn's pretty good. Everybody did their job. Brittany and Matt, however, there's something I need to say. It was a good thing you brought up Judy Chan, because when I watched that, though, I thought the script was okay, too. I did have a little bit of problems watching lip flaps. If I have to know it's lip flaps, there's a problem there. But here, the work here is pretty solid, and I think they're on the right track. Even more impressive, considering how bouncy and full of motion some of these character shots are, mm. considering it's like a very colorful animated doga kobo show yeah. it, it's yeah. colorful but there's not a whole lot of mouth movements it's very archetypal uh three frames to open three frames to close okay the mouth isn't the impressive things in motions it's the the rest of their bodies in motion is what's kind of insane and interesting but yeah uh all right uh anything else mm, it's pretty good i hope Brittany and matt could take away something from this I mean, I, I, mean if well, anything, I think I mean, they'll be fine. If anything, I think it, for Brittany, it's a step in the right direction, and hopefully, she'll eventually start directing shows herself with motivation. I think it's only a matter of time, to be honest. Probably. Anyway. Uh, okay. Um, I there's a lot that's been said about this stuff, about how much we enjoy it. I'm just going to say I'm in consensus. Caitlin and Clifford did a phenomenal job with the performances. The script is very solid and fun, while also being surprisingly timeless and simple. There's two things I want to mention. One is the amount of work that must have gone into getting this particular show on time while both directors were working on other projects at the same time. That is mm -hmm. goddamn amazing. The fact that everything sounds as good as it does at this point to get this all done 
for like a simulcast run to get into season two that is a goddamn achievement and props to the entire staff and crew all around that's amazing the other thing i was going to mention uh don't judge a book by its cover. Yes. Basically, let's hmm. just go on the grounds that the elephant in the room is... Um, we've discussed in the past about various uh, certain script and dub changes that are made for certain shows. Not all of them, but certain shows that lead to some sort of backlash and controversy. People saw this. They saw Funimation and immediately assumed it would be something else completely without even bothering to watch it. Yep. Sometimes it's like, okay, I get how this show's thing happened or this show's happened, but there was nothing founded on New Game. It wasn't any of the same staff. It wasn't any of that. Nobody even watched an episode. They just saw video games, cute girls, Funimation is like, oh, agenda! What it was it? I think the closest thing to the thing you're referring to is involvement of one person as a certain character in that scene. That's it. That's the closest connection you can come up with if you're going that far. That's it. <laughs> Point is, never judge a book by its cover. As we've discussed, different dubs have different casts, different crews, and different interpretations of localization and adaptation. Not everyone's going to be the same thing. Some are better, some are worse. But I can say, don't judge the show by its cover. Give it a watch, because this is a superb dub, and I commend the entire cast and crew involved. And on the topic... That was a particularly long section, but at the same time, we had five people technically to discuss today. <laughs> Just, just, and they all just to bring up a small side note, it's just that, because we've talked about these two directors specifically numerous times at this point, you can tell they have passion for what they do, they're not going to do something stupid. They're going they're gonna, to put, like, 100% effort into there, just, just stop. They don't, and need, they they don't need to hear any more of this crap, okay? And they are not going to betray the spirit of the original. No. Like this, there is nothing in the original show that even hinted towards political agenda or uh, anything that's going on in modern politics that we're not going to talk about right now. It is cute, escapist entertainment, and that is exactly how it was interpreted into English as well. One more, one more thing before we move on to uh, our character discussions. I would like to mention that this this episode was not, in fact, a request. This episode was not a request. Uh. This, was, this was something that I and Noah, we ran towards to, like, Steph, we're doing this now, okay? It was. Now. It was. This was not just because, like, we are friends with Mr. Uh, Clifford Chapin. Oh. So it was just like, he didn't ask us to do it. We. It was like... You didn't tell us to do this, sir. You're <laughs> doing it already. You no. just happen to have your name on this. So we just wanted to get that out. You can't you, make sure you that can. there is no dirty money uh, being... There's no money under the table being sent. Uh, Mr. Chapin, uh, that $5,000 we take under no, the no, table, maybe. No, this, is, this is basically how it happened. So obviously, talk about it was coming up for a little while. And then all of a sudden on Twitter, Clifford was like, so you guys got to talk about new game, right? And Megan basically <laughs> responded like, "You're you're saying that as if Andrew's not already on it." And apparently, I think her, apparently her we were obligated to do so. We're fucking her, obligated her, to 
talk about New Game. What is this shit? Her I God. just did it because I wanted to. Point <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we did. Her exact words, Megan's exact words were, don't worry, Clifford, we've got our best idiots on the job. Yes. <laughs> that's what oh, I Oh, that's am. fucked up. <laughs> and I'm the idiot that's steering tonight's game. We're so done for. I will follow I'm... you, sir, to the edge of this cliff and off of it. <laughs> and you know what? There is a lot of... There's a lot of different games that could be played. Board games, video games, or sometimes survival games. Mm -hmm. And who's better oh, to be tasked for dealing with the <laughs> the wild passion of the hunt? Like our next group of characters, uh, starting with uh, Umiko Ahakon. Uh, Nene Sakura, and I need to get this last person's name right because my fucking wicked word won't open. Hazuki. Okay. Between all three so, of us, one of us got it right. Yes. Basically, uh, uh, Umiko Ahagon is a member of the coding development team. Uh, Shizuku Hazuki is the game's director and or may or may not just be hiring a bunch of cute girls for her own purposes. And Nene Sakura is a little gremlin child in college that basically is a middle schooler who's somehow in a college grade who's a part-timer and uh, Alba's uh, BFF. Bizarre. So. That wasn't very uh, complimentary to Nene. <laughs> I okay. Nene's fun, but she is such a little. Every time I look at her, mm -hmm. she looks like a goddamn troll gremlin creature. She's like she looks. Actually, she looks like she she looks like she shouldn't be fed after midnight. Otherwise, <laughs> things are gonna go off the wall. Yeah. Which is actually what happens. She has like some sugary caffeine thing. It's like I can't stop moving. But you had a sip, Nenechi. Nenechi. <laughs> You know what? You know what? You know what she looks like to me? What? She looks like Pearl from Splatoon 2. I don't know. She looks like she's got a forehead, and she looks like she could totally pull the whole Gremlin Pearl thing. <gasps> the reference is just gonna go. Way Umiko could be Marina! <gasps> oh my God! You oh my know? God. Okay, you know okay, who okay. Nene looks like? You know who Nene looks like to me? Oh God, she what? looks like a certain person. Well, while we get into it, we'll talk about oh, it. Oh, here God. we go. Uh, I know where this is going uh, before, before we get into predictions, uh, I'd like to say right now, oh, no. friends and viewers, please give me artwork of Nene and Umiko dressed as Pearl and Marina from Splatoon oh. 2. And on that <laughs> note, <laughs> Noah, can you tell us your predictions? I'm cutting Andrew off right fucking now. No, 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 let him. I, I want to know what this Splatoon thing is you people are talking look, about. Look, Andrew, I know you want to watch them web, watch them nene, but we gotta move on. Oh. I'm sorry, what did you say? You had to go there, Jamal. You had to go there. Yes, I, I do. I was gonna let you go first, but now you're going last. Noah, <laughs> what are your predictions? All right. Um, okay, let's, um, let's do uh, Umiko first. Um, now, Umiko and Shizuku... Are kind of paired together like the show likes to put them in same situations we have Shizuku is the aloof mom person who's supposed to be getting work done but is too busy fawning over cute girls to get work done while fat cat. Umiko fat cat. is sh and her the very fat cat 
not to be confused with Fat Cat from Chippendale Rescue Rangers, a completely different Fat Cat, while Umiko is shooting her with her um, maybe not entirely legal gun collection. She says they're airsoft guns, but she's way too versed with them. I think she needs to be institutionalized. So, if, if they were real guns, I think she's Jap just a gun. Otaku. Well, I'm not just talking. Say, Japan, I think, has really restrictive laws with actual firearms. You can you yeah. cannot own actual firearms in so Japan. But civilians the cannot. Thing she's gonna get. <laughs> right. Look, all I'm saying is, as Umiko could basically survive all of Persona Five with her arsenal. Yes. I, I mean, heck, she uh, she would win High School of the Dead with just her uh, firearms. Absolutely, she would. She okay, so. All right, now because these two get paired together, I had to think of which two Funimation actresses always get paired together and oh, do really no. well together. It's kind of outside of what she's normally cast as, but she was Michiko, so I thought Umiko might be a good fit for Monica Rial, who is also a badass gunslinger. And, of course, who is Monica's best friend who she always gets paired with in Funimation dubs? Oh, boy. Ah, I see where you're going. Let's put Jamie Markey as uh, Shizuku. Also, like, I can I could hear their voices coming out of the character models. Monica would obviously have to toughen up and give us her big girl voice, and Jamie would have to give us her, like, almost her aloof Moe kind of voice. But I'd love to hear that, because I don't get to hear those... I don't get to hear those very often from these two, so I would have loved to hear that. And speaking of stereotypes... Okay, I'll be really surprised if one of you guys does not have the same prediction for Nene. She's cute... She's little, and she's got a high-pitched, squeaky voice in the Japanese. I love you, Sarah Wiedenhef, and I want to hear more of you. You know, I didn't, actually, but I probably should have. Oh, sorry. Considering Jamal's comments from earlier, I bet I know exactly But anyway. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, uh, he goes in the timeout corner for his dated <laughs> references. Anyways, uh, as for my predictions uh, for Umiko... I had uh, two predictions for Umiko. Uh, I had uh, Brina Palencia, because uh, I've been watching a lot of Fairy Tale this entire year, and you poor she bastard. is very psychotic, crazy as uh, Miss Juvia Laxar, but she pulls off the crazy psycho, but also being kind of cool and badass when she wants to be, and I could really see Brina Palencia bringing that to the table. Actually, now that I think about it, she's also Verona in uh, Do Da 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 Da, and I could have seen Verona doing Umiko as well. Uh, Just another... without the Russian accent. Without the Russian accent of Sorf. <laughs> uh, Trina, Trina Nishimura was my second pick for Umiko, who's done similar badass stoic roles in the form of characters like Mikasa. Uh, for Shizuku Hazuki, I predicted Elizabeth Maxwell because she is a very yeah. nefarious voice who I could see as like an older, sultry figure, but also kind of goofy and fun when push comes to show. As for the little adorable gremlin child that is Nenichi, I had two predictions. One was Laura Woodhull, because I thought whoever's got to do this has got to be really high-pitched and squeaky. Mm -hmm. And I predict Laura Woodhull's very good at doing high-pitched and squeaky. She's, all, she's a really good actress, but she's very particularly good at that. Uh, the other one I had was uh, Miss Jill Harris. Because she's done very similar characters as well. Jamal, you're yeah. out of the timeout corner, and, but do make it brief, You sir. are free for now. Yeah, I'm glad you put me last, because uh, 
for Shizuku, I actually got spoiled on it a little bit, but my dumbass got mixed up with Sushikaze. Oh. So I, oh no. So I put Don Bennett and Jamie Monkey because I figured you need somebody deep but soothing. For Umiko, I had Jeannie Tirado because she could do psychotic pretty easily. As was Felicia Angel because of that gift you showed me where she's eating the cream puff. And I wanted Aoi Asahina for that role. <laughs> As for Nene, I had three. Like you said, she's high-pitched and squeaky. So I had Monica. <laughs> I had Felicia. And I had Bryn April because... I mean, come on, look at her. And there look is. at her. There look at her. Alrighty. And with that out of the way, we can finally say, who are the lovely ladies voicing these particular characters? Umiko Ahagon. She, don't call her Ahagon. Call her Umiko. Umiko. Uh, is voiced by our lovely ADR director herself, Miss Caitlin Glass. Uh, Shizuku Hazuki is voiced by Carly Moisier. Mo- Moisier. I can't pronounce her Mosier. name right. Carly Moisier. Carly Moisier. And Nene Sakura, a.k.a. Nenichi herself, is voiced by Bryn April. Uh, Woo! Uh, going down right. the list, uh, you might have heard Caitlin Glass in other ca- er, roles such as Kyoko Kirigiri from the Danganronpa anime series, Kim from Soul Eater, Hiromi Shiota, a.k.a. Nakisa's Psycho Mom in Assassination Classroom, Miho Amakata in Free, and Petra Roll, a.k.a. everyone's favorite tree hugger from Attack on Titan. Uh, Carly Mosier, you might know from such roles as Toko Fukawa from the Danganronpa am- anime series, Utsu- Utsusu from Gachamon Crowds, Balmay from Yormangan, Yuko Amamiya from F A T E L Memory Mel- Memory both of them. Yuko Amamiya from A, tef- F- e- a Tale F- of Memories. E F A Tale of Memories. F A Fairy Tale of the Two. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> off. And Susuke. They're all the same. Akame got killed. Okay, to clarify <laughs> that one. Season one is F A Tale of Memories, and season two is F A Tale of Melodies. Yep. You can see how I got tongue tied, okay? Fuck. <laughs> Anyways. Uh. You- Finally, rounding out, uh, you might know Miss Bryn April for such roles as Sion from Shobai Rock, Ritsu from Assassination Classroom, Hikari Takanashi from Interviews with Monster Girls, Krista Rines from Attack on Titan, and Hiyori Iki from Noragami. <coughs> Step! Mm-hmm. Would you like to go first, ma'am? Can I finish my cupcake first? <laughs> <laughs> Noah, would you like to go first? Thank you. Why don't I get a cupcake? Because you suck. <laughs> okay. Oh. I'm sorry. That was mean. I'll get you a cream puff later, okay? Thank you, honey. <laughs> Just oh, no! It fell Umiko. on your figures! No! Oopsie. You bastard! <laughs> anyway. Okay. There was, um... Let's see how these characters do. Um, uh, no one was miscast, um, as we said at the top of the episode. A lot of really good technicality uh, with uh, the writing and the directing, and now we get into really good casting on this. Caitlin Glass, um, I, I haven't heard her do one of these more serious roles in a while. Like it, it kind of reminded me back to her days as Haruhi Fujioka from Orin High School Host Club. Much more on the uh, much more uh, sinister side, but still in the lower voice. And I really like hearing it. Like She pulls off that... Uh, that uh, tough demeanor that 
you know there is always at least one of these people in the office. Some people call them a bitch, some people call them a busybody, and other people call them the one who gets shit done. And I'm so glad that Caitlyn uh, did that role really well. I have to imagine she actually is like that, like she's like the go-getter whip-cracker when deadlines come up Funimation 2. Yep. <laughs> she seems very chill, actually, so I, that kind of surprises me. But I guess she, she does get serious when push comes to shove. But when she's not on Periscope, I imagine. Right, right. And also, uh, Carly Mosier probably has the least amount of uh, development throughout the show because we only see her pop in and out. But um, it, it was been, it been really easy to make this character um, more of a ditz, I guess. More of a, a um, almost like a Southern Belle type character, I guess. But they didn't do that. They made her. They made her more realistic. They made her as. Um, I, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of like the character archetype I'd see at work that would remind me of her, and that would be more like. Um, Basically, older... she's the boss. Where it's like, hey, uh, just to do me a little favor, could you fill out uh, these fifty sheets before you leave the office in two hours? Thanks, hon. You're a dear. You have no idea, Andrew. Honestly, no Umiko's so in the right. Umiko's yeah. so in the right to be pissed, where it's like, <laughs> you just threw this fucking panty shit in my face. Do you know how much coding that's gonna be? <laughs> this has to but be listed as a feature in the game. You can't just let it sit there. But it's such She's a surprise. She's so in the right. It is. I feel so... Everybody's like, Umiko's so like serious and stuff. She is one of the most relatable people in this show. Probably, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Well, relatable in the fact that she gets work done. I don't know if she's relatable in her gun nut fascination. Oh, gun taku thing is basically the most Western thing out there, but yeah. that's another conversation for another time. Well, well, it's, uh, the, she gets shit done. Well, Continue. Well, I was just saying, this show has uh, it likes to appeal to a lot of different fetishes, if we can call it that. And, you know, she's not filling any of the Moe archetypes, so, of course, we got to get one military fanatic's wet dream in there as well. Speaking of something not entirely related to that, Bryn April uh, as Nene. I was I was really glad that Nene got a chance to shine more in the second half of the show because that gave Bryn more of a chance to stretch her chops in being so adorable and yet so apologetic too. Like, I loved the pudding episode. I adored the pudding episode where she's like stewing in her little... Uh, I'm so sorry I took it. What do I do? I don't want to get my best friend fired. And then when she goes up and she's about to admit that she stole it, she has like this little squee moment where she's like, never mind. That was like perfect. Like That is the pinnacle of Moe right there. By the way, unrelated, uh, I got to watch that episode on the Twitch uh, new game stream. And that the chat for that moment was great because they saw her eat the put what was Ko's pudding, and the entire chat room was like, "You're fucked, you're fired, wrecked, ruined, gone, fired." Never do that. That is true. Like how how stupid do you have to be to take the pudding out of the fridge? Never take something out of a company fridge that you did not bring yourself, ever. All right. Sorry, I liked her. Okay, uh, so Steph, are you finally done with your cupcake? Absolutely, I am. Please give us your thoughts, and I hope that cupcake was marked, okay? <laughs> yes, wait. it absolutely was. Um, wait, wait, let me look on the bottom. It says, Kurt belongs to Gigi. Oh, fuck! <laughs> Shit! <laughs> Sorry, Just Gigi, get her some I J love you. Um, so, what, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to start this off. Because here's the thing, I usually take notes and when I watch shows and stuff like that to 
work on stuff for this, and I didn't take any notes because I kind of just got sucked into the show, so that helps a lot. Um, did, did any negative things stick out about any of these three? Really, it's just Nene was extremely obnoxious to me. I mean, I think You're that's not wrong. slightly the point, but I think that's slightly the point, but um, at the same time, it was just so, so high-pitched. I think it got to the point where, I don't know, maybe like something clicked in my hearing. I'm like, ugh, but, uh, and it made me cringe a little. Um, but, hmm. but Bryn's performance of Nene was still <laughs> adorable nonetheless, and as a good counterpart for, um, Alba, especially when we talk about her later on, um, the two of them played off each other rather well, and, um, uh, and Bryn also played off very well of Caitlyn, because, uh, her and Caitlyn have a lot of back and forth as well. Excuse me, Jesus Christ. Oh, and, um, the best... The best comparison I can make for Caitlyn, I had a little bit of Retory flashbacks from Show by Rock. Oh yeah. Cause Retory is kind of a similar character to Umiko. Mine, except Retory has a bit more flustered moments that are a bit more like expressive compared to Umiko. At least mm -hmm. cause when Umiko gets flustered, she just kind of quietly sits there and she just becomes red in the face. But, um, the funny thing is, I accidentally mixed Caitlyn up with someone else when I first saw, when I was first watching the, um, the show. Oh, I mixed no. her up with someone else who's in the cast that we're gonna talk about shortly. Um, but then when I saw the credits again and I got the names squared away, I'm like, oh shit, this is Caitlyn. <laughs> I didn't realize it at first. So, basically, you liked all of them, it sounds like. Yeah, and in terms of Carly, um... I haven't really heard enough of Carly, except for Diana Rapa, <laughs> really. So, obviously completely different compared to what she sounds like as Toka, Fukawa, and Genocider um, Jill uh, in Diagon Rapa. And I kind of found it a, a bit a, rather adorable and sweet. <laughs> it was just a different voice that I got to kind of hear. Um, yeah, I pretty much enjoyed all three performances, minus slight obnoxious Nene. Okay, because uh, you didn't, but you didn't watch it in Japanese, so it, you may not have been prepared for it. I feel That's like, true. Uh, I feel like even if I watched in Japanese, depending on how the Japanese was portrayed, I think it, you it might still be a little obnoxious to me too. It depends. Yeah, on you how might it, still have been. Annoyed. It was, yeah, it was obnoxious I'm, on both sides. I'll say this: I feel of all the ca the dub to sub comparisons, I feel Bryn April's Nanichi was the most similar to the Japanese counterpart. Yeah. Which is actually why I was surprised, because I figured it would have just sounded like Bryn. But it was like Bryn with like an extra notch or two up in the head voice. I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah. I did not know you could go that squeaky squeaky. That's, that is basically just full on like Chihuahua on auto-tune. <laughs> she, 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 she got to Oriimo levels almost. But honestly... No, no, it was no, no, kind no. of amazing the, what uh, Nenichi uh, did, what Bryn did as Nenichi, and she had a lot of comedic timing and stuff to work with. Her fangirling, her trying to be like oop oop oop, oop like kind of like that sort of trollish little shitlord. I love her because <laughs> she's just. I look at her as a little troll, and that's why she kind of cracks me up. And I love the chemistry she has with Umiko, and Umiko, uh, Caitlyn as Umiko. 
Kaylin isn't being that whole Sundere thing. She's just an office worker who's just tired of everyone's bullshit. <laughs> but she's also this, like, she's a hard worker, but she's also a huge gun otaku. But that's what's really cute and fun, and she's got a lot of chemistry uh... to her. And I love every scene with her and Nene, actually, because it's a really surprisingly good chemistry dynamic. As well as her chemistry with uh, Hazuki. And Carly is great as... Uh, I wasn't sure what I was expecting for Hazuki, because she was the one I had the least recollection of from mm -hmm. the sub. So it was. I like the take that Carly brought to this character and made me realize, oh, I like this character. She's interesting. Little addendum I want to bring up. Not only is Carly Hazuki, she is also her beloved fat cat, Mozuku. Yeah. Yeah. Because we couldn't just transplant the Japanese audio into this show. No, we had to record fresh audio scratches to use for cat noises. Okay. Uh, so, to wrap it up, uh, Bryn's amazing as Nenichi. Uh, I love Kate. Caitlin does a really good, interesting take on Umiko. And Carly is fantastic as both owner and pet and honestly deserves all of the flicks that she has coming towards her. Sorry, I sort of cut in there. I figured, Jamal, you should be the one to go last for discussing these characters. Yes, uh, Hatsuki, it was kind of what I expected, but it was a little down-to-earth. I do think the chemistry between her and Umiko kind of worked out. Umiko, Caitlyn makes monotonous sound a little sexy, but she can also make her sound a little scary too, especially when she starts pulling a gun out of nowhere. <laughs> but that could be even sexier. You never know. That's appealing to someone. Uh, if you're into that kind of thing, that's on you, bro. I guarantee you. I guarantee you that at least 10% of the viewing audience were getting off to all of her episodes. As, that's another Okay, then. As okay. for Nenichi... Well, Didn't mean to pull that trigger. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> As for Nenechi, I mean, it's Bryn April the character. I mean, when I heard it in the Japanese, she was instantly the first person I thought of. I mean, she, I know she can hit the high notes very well. And not, it's not obnoxious to me because I'm used to her voice at this point. She's a fan, she's a bit of a fangirl, but also a bit of a worry ward too, so I knew Bryn could pull that off very easily. Especially when it comes to having to worry about Alba all the time. And I think that's what kind of saves her character is that she's not just a troll who has no redeemable quality. She has a genuine compassion for her friend that I think that they actually go into the backstory about how they've known each other since elementary school, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that kind of like saves her character arc. I agree. Yes, especially how they play out. She plays off of Umiko like very well, like <laughs> so crazy. It, it's kind of... By the way, by the way, I ship Umiko X Nene, so... That's a bit of an age difference. I see it as like that seems like a mentor. That seems like a teacher-student thing to me. Just because yeah. that's basically she would give her a bunch of nogies or stuff, and then make up to it and give her some cookies later on. I, I just ship ebony, ebony and ivory. So, I, <laughs> regardless of Jamal, that. you know what I have to say to you? Don't get cooked. Stay off the hook. I don't know what that means. Nobody that's gets platoon too. Uh, Nobody has Splatoon 2 but you! <laughs> I don't even have it, but I want it. I want to switch. I, I, this podcast is already off the hook. Uh, anyways, uh, sorry I interrupted. Continue. Anyway, I didn't realize until somebody pointed it out to me on Twitter, but 
There's also a similarity between Umiko Nene and when we get to Alba, I'll bring it up again. Somebody pointed out to me on Twitter. Okay. So, moving on to our next dynamic duo. Time for us to discuss uh, Yoon Ijima and Hajime Shinoda. Yoon is a gothic Lolita type character who is obsessed with sweets but is also worried about getting fat. And Hajime is a full-on hardcore otaku girl, Genki girl with short hair and a very bubbly, energetic, fit personality. And they are, they are a fucking interesting ca- group of characters. <laughs> I'm glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just think they are a fucking and I was just going to end it there? I, look, <laughs> look, considering how that Hot Springs episode just kind of like faded off, I, I my mind went to all the wrong places. Anyway. Look, it's canon that she felt her abs and was like, oh. So yeah, that's a thing. Uh, Did you see those abs? Did you see them? God damn, they were fucking rocking, yeah. Uh, she's fuck. The Tad girls are fit as shit in this show, and that's something yeah. that, that me likey very, very much. But you know what else I like? Discussing predictions. Uh, Noah, who did you predict for these two? Uh, I predicted that they would be played by the... Um, let me think, who, who did I have, actually? Oh, I did have predictions. I predicted that for these two characters, we had to balance out... The bubbly and the uh, realistic personalities. So for Yoon, I wrote down Janie Torado because in Tanya, the uh, saga of Tanya the Evil, she plays sort of the straight man to Tanya in that show. Uh, a little more subdued, obviously, than um, the show that we're working with right now. But uh, her timbre seemed to have worked a little bit there. And I think she was the last person I cast as well because I didn't have her in any of the other predictions. And that brings us then to, who did I think was going to be Hajime? Well, as someone who has been surprising me a lot in the past year, I I wanted to finally give this person a prediction in a role that would be much more energetic, fitted to the level of spastic energy while still being enjoyable to listen to, and that was Jill Harris. Mostly because of her role as Fuka earlier in the year, where she she played the whole spectrum of Crazy Girl. And Hajime is like on some kind I don't know exactly which action figure she's smoking but she is on something and I want it okay then that's great uh, so Jamal uh, who'd you have predictions for these two well for you when I think bubbly I think high pitched so I had Jade Saxton to your ballad okay uh, as for Hajime I figured you know she's upbeat kind of spunky so I had Felicia down because this reminds me of a similar character she played in Brave Witches. And Lindsay Hill because, well, we need to see Lindsay Hill in more things. As for me, uh, I had uh, two predictions for Yoon and one for Hajime. Very odd choices, but I figured they'd be interesting. Uh, for Yoon, I was thinking either uh, Christian McGuire or Brittany Lauda could pull off doing a character like Yoon because they're bo- they both could offer very interesting things for her as a character. And here's an odd choice I had for Hachime because it was a very tricky one to think of, like tomboy, otaku, fan, and girl. I went with Dawn Bennett. Hmm. I'm not sure you know why, what? but I think it was that I know she's a very versatile actress and I wanted to see what she could pull off. 
It's a difficult it's a difficult tightrope to walk to get an actress who can be both energetic without being annoying. And yeah, imagining it now, I can hear Dawn do that. A little too deep for me, but I can picture it. I can see Anyways. It so, with that out of the way, I think it's about time we discuss who are the lovely ladies playing these even lovelier ladies. Uh, playing the character of Yoon is Leah Clark, and playing Hajime, interestingly enough, is Tia Ballard. Yeah. Now, uh, Leah Clark you might know for such performances as Kobayashi from Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, Ezekiel from Maria the Virgin Witch, Yukiko Kanzaki from Assassination Classroom, Minami Shimada from Baka and Test, and Mavis Vermillion from Fairy Tale. Tia Ballard, you would also know from Fairy Tale as Happy, Aligura from Blood Blockade Battlefront, Chiho Sasaki in Devil is a Part Timer, Nanami Momozono in Kamisama Kiss, and Beast from Black Butler Book of Circus. I'm just going to go on a whim and say, let's discuss Yoon. And then Hajime. Yeah. Because reasons. Um, Steph, what did you think of Leah Clark as you? Well, first of all, I think I'm a dumb. Because I accidentally thought Leah Clark was Ubiko at first. <laughs> oh. Instead of Caitlyn. Um, well, given that who she played in Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, that that wouldn't be a far stretch. I haven't that's, seen that's Kobayashi. That's not why. haven't seen yeah. that show. Um, but I've been watching Sakura Quest, so that's an also rather straightforward mix-up um <laughs> i think her is yoon is kind of it's real it's rather interesting because leah's voice definitely brings a different dynamic considering the cast of characters we have and again i could have pegged her as umiko and again to an extent i could have also probably pegged her as hajime uh but yoon is probably one of the last characters i would think of casting leah clark as but it's I think one of the good points about this is at least a good amount of the casting is some fresher, some fresher faces that aren't utilized that often, as well as voice actresses in places where you don't hear them often in. Leah is one of these. Um, Tia is actually the other, but we'll talk about her in a second. Um, mm. But I really enjoyed Leah's performance. Um, it was it was definitely one it was definitely a lot of fun, especially those moments where she's like talking about her chubby arms. <laughs> she was like, yeah. she's like, I can't eat these sweets. I I'm gonna be so chubby. I can't let them see my chubby arms. It's like, it it was really adorable and really funny, and I I I enjoyed her. Um, as you again, not my first choice, but surprisingly, I think it works really well. Did you get a kick Mr. out of the um, the, the uh, hospital, or not the hospital, the, the physical checkup where she's like sucking in her gut to try to make her waist yes. seem smaller? Yes. So adorable. It's like, at eh, least she knew. and then she's like, eh, and then she's like, eh, and then she, really, she relaxes thinking that she was good, but she was like, still better. <laughs> oh, there's your gut. Okay. There it is. Yeah. So, like, Noah. It's like, honey, we, we, we've seen this trick before. You, you can't fool us. We know that you're really an 18... Or what? I don't know dress sizes. I'm sorry. <laughs> you are indeed a number on a scale. You yes, you are. And uh, for Leah, I would give her a 9.5 out of 10, mostly because this was a uh, uh, Yoon is the character that is kind of 
uh, doesn't get as much juicy content to work with as some of the other characters. She's more, she of the four of them, of the four in the cubicle, she is the straight man more than any of the other characters. So it would have been uh, easy for a less seasoned actress to play this and be more dry and less interesting and not have as uh, interesting of a voice to listen to. But Yoon, uh, Leah's performance here, it kind of reminded me of her airy voice from School Rumble, but without the uh, uh, the hoity-toity rich girl uh, attitudes uh, tacked onto it. It's just a nicer version of that. And I'm learning to never underestimate Leah Clark because I cannot peg an archetype for her anymore. She's done everything under the sun. She is so versatile that I'm just going to put her as my prediction for every woman, for every cast prediction for the rest of time. So this entire prediction page is just going to be Leah Clark's face all over everything. <laughs> the whole thing. No, because Noah usually picks one, only one person. It's going to be Leah Clark, Leah Clark, Leah Clark. The whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, I got to be right somewhere, that. guys. She could do it, too. She could be all the characters if she wanted to. Including, if Clifford including was that, guys. <laughs> Clifford's one. like, hey, guys, we could save a little bit of money. We could cast <laughs> Leah to do everything. <laughs> Look, if Clifford was gonna if Clifford was gonna do that, he wouldn't make somebody else do it. He'd do it himself. Let's face it, he would do it himself. I mean, every girl could... is basically just his little boy voice. Oh my god! No, 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 no yes. every girl, every girl is his femme Yoon voice from Yoon of the Dawn, and then the kids are his little boy voice. Done. Now, Good lord. Oh my god, guys! I got the picture now. Imagine <laughs> Bakugo's voice coming out of Umiko. <laughs> Yes. You piece of shit! <laughs> Nene, yes. I'm gonna murder you. <laughs> uh, you pulled the plug, you piece of shit! <laughs> Damn it, Nene, you give me 110%. I'm not gonna sell for anything less. You know how much code went into those panties! <laughs> I could picture him saying that. <laughs> Project for another time. Uh, oh, damn it! I woke I woke my dog up trying to do that. I'm sorry, Daisy. Go back to bed, sweetie. Uh, anyways, uh, anything else you have to say on uh, Leah Clark? Guys? No, no. I I love Leah. Uh, I hope she gets a lot yeah. more work. Uh, I mean, Jamal. Leah, Leah is kind of Leah. She could be cute when she needs to be. Especially that scene where she and Albert are trying to run to work and she realizes Albert's slower than her. I think it, I I think was, it was like, that scene for me where I fell in love with the performance. I was like, yeah, you're great. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Is that She's really good, but of the four in the cubicle, she was the one that stood out to me the least and had less to do. Maybe that will change in season two, but I do like her as a character, but maybe it's just me being the dude guy who's all hairy and doesn't give a shit, but I'm like, girl, you ain't even fat. What What's wrong with some things? But then I know that is a thing that uh, people are, in fact, concerned with that, some more than others, but... I know that is a thing that happens. But did they really need to turn up the thermostat for that? Yes, oh, they absolutely. did. Yes, they did. That, that was a fucking great scene. I felt so bad for her. She was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yo. Uh, so yeah, I really like uh, Leah Clark as uh, Yoon. 
Tia Ballard as Hajime. Noah, let's get this out of the way. We're going last. <sighs> okay, okay, fine. Let me strap myself to last. the wall. I'm going to strap myself We're to the wall. We're going last. It's okay. Uh, Go ahead. Steph, what did you think? I have a feeling that you two are the centers of this uh, conversation. Um, mm -hmm. So, similar to Leah Clark as you, Hajime and the kind of character she is, very, very different than what I typically peg Tia as voicing and and playing, and I'm I am mixed about it and how it came out, but I think it took a couple episodes uh, for me to really get into it, and I think it was one of uh, Tia's or Hajime's um, little otaku rants fairly early yeah. on. I think it was at that point where I kind of really got into it and I was a bit more sold on it. But what, there... Was it the the dandy scene? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm gonna interrupt you for a second. Whoever's idea it was to make the voice of Dandy Max be Ian Sinclair? Yes! You brilliant I was bastards. not the only one that noticed that. Fucking thank you. Thank you. Clever, clever fucks. <laughs> Continue. Yes. Clever, clever bastards you are. God damn it. Anyway, um, but, because if you know me at this point, I am a fan of unconventional casting, and this is probably the most unconventional casting we see throughout this entire show, is yeah. Tia playing this tomboyish otaku, um, and it took a little bit for me to get into it and then when she kind of starts going into those moments I was like okay the Hajime is my spirit animal <laughs> <laughs> Hajime is my spirit animal it's like Tia you, got you like, and me we could be sisters right now it's great um and I I can just imagine like getting a figurine of Hajime and putting it on your desk <laughs> what if she got a figurine of herself how would she react to that oh that oh she she would just play with that all day she wouldn't get any animating done Okay, my mind went somewhere it should not. Have Jamal, been. let us get your mind out of that place. You, uh, you, Jamal. you walked right into that one, Noah. I mean, that is not, you I was into not. That. That's not. I'm talking like a Funko Pop on your desk that you like have conversations with. Bottom I wasn't talking about line. that. Oh come Bottom on, Hajime is a hardcore figure person. She's gonna go for a Nendroid or a fucking yeah. like actual figure. Funko Pop, she'd look at it like. I'm staring into its eyes. Into my <laughs> oh my god, Andrew! Andrew, did you see that clip of um someone took the uh took the regular show uh clip of regular show and put in the Funko Pops of Mordecai and Rigby and had them react to the Funko Pops? No, I need you need to send me that later. Anyway, I'll send. I'll send it to you. Anyway, bottom uh, can... line, it took a little bit for me to enjoy it, but then by the end, I enjoyed Tia Ballard as Hajime. Jamal. I, I kind of found it weird at first, because I never heard to you like this before yeah, at all. Uh, it kind of sounds like some of her usual performances, but without like her break, her voice breaking, her voice cracking. It kind of sounds like if Happy, if he hit puberty, <laughs> you know? Maybe, actually. Oh. That's an interesting way to describe it. Yeah, so like, 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 it took me a little bit, but it took a little less time, and I really liked the shit out of her, man. Like, mm. Okay, okay. So there's a reason why I wanted to, me and Noah want to go last. Here's the thing, I'm not the dissenter. 
in regards to Tia Ballard. Mm. That's true. I fucking love it, actually. Okay. I, it took me a bit to get used to it at first, as well, but it took me a bit to realize that even was Tia Ballard, but that was Tia Ballard doing a tomboy otaku from Brooklyn. Yes, it was, yeah. It was, it was either going to be me or Noah who brought it up. It basically sounds very Brooklyn, like, construction worker to me in the way she comes off where it's like hey i'm working here it's like i fucking it's really odd but it's so distinct and we talk about so much about typecasting and being too safe and similar so i don't want to give shit to somebody actually trying something different some people it might not work for i thought it was really interesting and she could pull off the cute and adorable side to hajime but she was this huge excitable like tomboy otaku and it was something interesting and different for tia and i actually really liked it so i am of the side of the defense for this okay now mr clue floor is yours i you're setting me up you're setting me up like I'm going to tear this, uh, like I'm going to rip this entirely apart. You mean you I've mean turned you're you not? into the heel? You mean you're not? I, I, well, not not on microphone at least. Oh, I, I've oh. turned you into the heel of this conversation. You did. The you balls th- in your court. You threw me under the fucking bus, man. <laughs> Love <There we> you. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, yes, it's true. During uh, when the show, the first episodes came out, I had to go into the Skype chat and I said to everyone. Does uh does Tia's portrayal of Hajime sound a little like prepubescent Brooklyn boy to you guys? And does does anyone else think it doesn't quite fit? And no one else agreed with me. Everyone was like, no, I, I like it. So, I it also took me a little while to get into. And the reason is because we have uh, previous examples of this type of character being voiced in English before, and Tia's like you said doesn't usually do this kind of voice. And you could tell during those first couple of episodes, like, she is putting so much energy and passion into the line delivery about how excited she is about figurines or animating or how cool it is to make these monster characters move the way they do. But the way she's speaking it is just not Tia, and you can tell. And that took me out of the experience so much. Like, if I were to point to a different uh, a different voice actress who could do something like this, like we've heard in the past, Laura Jill Miller plays a similar character in Lucky Star that's got a similar tomboyish persona that sounds more natural because that's how Jill kind of sounds. Or, as a, like on the other end of the spectrum, Mandy Clark's Tomo from Azumangadayo has a similar annoying, not annoying, but like overly energetic Genki girl persona. Both of those sounded very natural. Tia is pushing so much energy into this that it just dips a little bit into the trying too hard camp. That being said, it, I eventually did warm up to it. I don't know if that's because I learned to like it or if because she just learned to play the role better. I think it was more that she just eased into the role a lot more. And so by, by the end of it, like especially by the time we get to this, uh, the game release where they're going around Ikuhara, Iku, um, Akihabara, sorry, they're going around Akihabara, getting all of the special limited edition versions of everything, and they're geeking out about, I know, isn't it so cool how the lead character actually becomes the bad guy in the final half of the show? And it's like, lesson, of, lesson of the day, kids, do not break NDA clauses. No, do we'll not never break do them. that. that if was, the, if those break. two worked for Atlas, they'd be fucking homeless on the street. <laughs> they would be that done. Black, blackballed. Uh, assets frozen, yep. money stripped, yep. just ruined. Yep. 
So yeah, I think and Dandy Max personally spitting in her face like you disgust me. <laughs> Even I have more dignity than that, and I've killed people. So okay, so yes, yeah, so you were not wrong in throwing me under the bus about me not being wild about Tia's performance. It is my least favorite uh, uh, performance of them all, and to be fair, this was also a really difficult role to pull off. I, it like it, it could have gone one of our ways. They took a gamble on doing this very unconventional Brooklyn accent. And it paid off in the second half more than it did the first half, but it just took me out of the experience too much during the first half. You know, I thought that was going to be a lot messier of a conversation than it, w it turned out to be. But you know what? I respect your point, sir. And I got to say, learning to respect the enemy, that's pretty dandy. God damn it. <laughs> I'm just going to give you a slow golf clap for that one. I'm giving you well, absolutely nothing because I was terrible. Well, Steph, <laughs> you're you do a good job at being the ever supportive, ever controlling <gasps> mom Chan who helps keep us all in line. And I'm good at scheduling and, and all this kind of logistical stuff. I see where you're going with this, sir. And who better to segue into discussing my other spirit than... animal? <laughs> Your other true spirit animal, <laughs> the character I most associate with you, oh. Rin Toyama. Rin is a longtime employee at Eagle Jump, and for this particular game, Fairy Story 3, she is the AD. Not the art, not the Assistant animation director. director. Uh, she is the art director. Yes. There's a difference. Anyways. Uh, who did you have predictions for, uh, Noah? I, I predicted that it would be, uh, wait, who did I write when? Oh, oh, right, right, okay, oh, sorry about that. Okay, so, Rin is, as you say, the team mom. Um, uh, would I, would I be uh, persecuted if I, uh, went the lazy route and, uh, picked our anime mom to voice this character? Yes. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, get your rocks ready because I said that Felicia Angel would be the perfect person to voice Rin in this dub. Ow! Stop throwing the rocks at me. I mean, you're not wrong. See, that rock wasn't for you picking Felicia. It was for pronouncing it wrong. Angel. I'm so. Angel. All right. Hold on. All right. Let me stand well, in the fuck. middle of the town oh, square. Oh my get god. Your rock. Can we stop Throw. with the fedora moments before I kill all of you? <laughs> Will, we we will, do our best to get pronunciation right, but yes. it, it gets trickier the further into these episodes we go. Um, I, as I will... for me, I had uh, two predictions. I had actually put Caitlin Glass for this particular one, as well as Monica Rial. I think particularly because I've seen Monica play a lot of several roles by Aikayano herself, and she's got a very like soft in, like interpretation. So that was where I was going with that. Uh, Jamal. I figured might see someone a little high pitched, but she's down to earth. So I put Alexis in jail. I can see that uh, Alexis Tipton, right? Yes. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, no, I can totally see all of that. Now, as for the actress who was actually playing our lovely art director, that my friends goes to our. Uh, good friend, uh, Christian McGuire. Yay! Christian McGuire, you might, you might know for such other voice acting roles as 
Hinano Kurahashi from Assassination Classroom, Hanabi Kawai from Keijo, Karen Ayugase from Castletown Dandelion, Shitose Haruna from Fuka, and Farah from Chain Chronicle, just to name a few. Now, uh, what did you all think of Christian as Rin? Steph, since she is your spirit animal. Since she is my <laughs> spirit animal. Oh, and Christian plays my spirit animal very, very well. Um, going back to different voices, because I've heard Christian is more, much more energetic characters, more hyperactive characters at this point. Um, Rin is a bit more relaxed at some point. She's kind of, she's not serious, but she is uh, much more calm and logical. Um, and considering her counterbalance with Koyagami, who we'll talk about in a couple minutes, um, it's a, that's a very interesting dynamic to play off of um, for Ko and the voice actress who voices her. So, I think Kristen's a really good fit here. Again, it's very different than what I've heard her play before, and it has me very excited because the different kind of performance that I don't get to hear Kristen ever play. Uh, and I want to hear more of it because it's really adorable. Um, and Rin does have reads. I can never get that right. Rin or Reed. It's different. It's different for every show, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, uh, but some of those moments that um, Kristen portrays for her, um, where she does kind of have those cute little fluster moments, it's probably some of the most adorable stuff because it's kind of. A subtle cute. <laughs> like, it's not full-fledged fluster. She's just kind of like, oh, but I, you know. <laughs> it's really adorable, and um, personally, I think I think Kristen's performance is probably one of my favorites from the whole show, to be honest. Are you being biased? Oh, no, honestly, Beca Because she's so much like you? Okay, maybe a little bit because she's my spirit animal, but still. 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 It's a really good performance, and I really love it. So, Noah, what are your thoughts? Mmm, what are my thoughts on this? Um, the, um, let me think. This was, uh, twofold. This was twofold on Kristen's part, because she has to play uh, two different sides of her character. She has to play the the person in your office who is, like, the, is, you know, like, the vice president or the uh, area manager who is both comforting and nurturing without being so um, uh, so coddling as to, to make sure the work gets done. But at the other time, she has to balance out the, the freak out moments where she's worried about Ko getting a boyfriend or if she's uh, going to leave the company or when deadlines come up. And it, I, I thought it might be a bit unconvincing, um, especially compared to the Japanese, to have one person voice both of those. Like, like one would sound more forced than the other. That did not happen. I listened for like breaks in her performance, like things that sounded less well acted, and I couldn't hear any. Kristen pulled off all of the sides of it really well, still in the register that you could tell it's the same character, like even if you have your eyes closed, and sounding, as you said, really kind of adorable in those, those kind of like little freak out moments. It's like the most believable kind of anime blushing that I've ever seen, I think. So, Jamal? I think she was perfect. I mean, she was exactly what I had in mind. 
but I can't help but think she might have committed a little black magic, especially in episode two when she's at the bar, <laughs> she's drinking. I I don't know if it was my ears, but I could have sworn I heard notes of Jade Saxton come out of her. Were you thinking of the scene in Michigo and Hachin where they're at the bar having the juice? Maybe. I, I don't know. I, all I know is when, as soon as she got drunk, it just started coming out all of a sudden. There was that scene. And, um, episode, the very last episode, too, we get to hear her uh, drunkenness. Though that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's mixed up in audio mixing, to be honest. <laughs> well, that scene, that scene was amazing. Because they had a very big dramatic finale like emotional dramatic finale and then crime time alba what's that on the tv nothing i lost it i lost it when after that fucking nanachis just walking out with the m16 (laughs) oh my god I, I, I forgot that was, about that's that. That's the best way to end that season right there. Is even if you yeah. have a serious I moment credits and then so that. hard. Oh. Okay. Um, Curse you, Dobakobo. Right. So, to get back a track. Interestingly enough, I'm going to be the contrarian on this somewhat. Hold <gasps> out. Hold on. Hang on. Let I've me got, I, I've Let got, me speak my piece. I've got my Let M16 right here. My piece is this. I feel, as somebody who's seen the subs and dubs, I, Kayano, to Christian McGuire was the most distinct difference to me in terms of vocal range and character. Because I, Kayano, is a very iconic, famous seiyuu who's the soft-spoken, motherly, ara-ara-ara kind of character, where she's she's really, like soft and like a caring motherly nurturing type person in Japanese high-pitched voice Christian was different Christian it sounded a lot more like I guess less like a older woman and more like a teenage person going on woman which I guess that was the Hmm. big disconnect for me it felt like maybe it was it, it wasn't somebody who was a leading lady. It felt like somebody trying to be a leading lady, which mm. technically speaking, that is what happened. It was just a very different voice that I had a lot of trouble getting into. Like, there, there's another character that's very different from Japanese too, but I could see that working for that character. I didn't quite see that with Christian at first, yeah. but she grew into it and she really did become that figure. And when she got those more emotional outbursts and those like moments to freak out, and those moments to express herself. And when she got drunk. That was the moment that sold me on it. It's like, as soon as I saw her get drunk, I'm like, yep. You know what, Christian? Yeah, you can do this. So basically, I, I this was just the one I had the most trouble warming up to. But All right. she proved me wrong. And she really did do a very impressive job as Rin. Now... It's only fair that from there, we discuss the other ying to the yang, the rin to the ko. <laughs> ko Yagami, a.k.a. Rin's little, uh... Play toy? Project, play toy, project. and or life partner. Project is an accurate y- y- statement, actually. Project y- actually is a basket case. You know what's interesting about the name <laughs> Yagami? It's I'm a gay spelled backwards. Oh. God damn it! God damn it! Fuck! 
Oh god damn. Um so maybe all that fan art had you know some credence after all. So I can't believe I didn't realize that. <laughs> so You're... I think we just lost Andrew. <laughs> no, you at least broke him. So I... oh, Sorry, dude. Fuck. So Do we Noah, have another one in the closet? Noah, you have to get out right the fuck now. <laughs> You know what? I'm, I'm not mad. I'm not. <laughs> no, no, I, no, you're wow. not mad. I think I think Lila's okay. gonna kill me. Okay, I'll, I'll, like, I'll I'm say. Looking, of... I'm looking at her picture on Skype, and it's like a smiling face, but I, I'm picturing like laser beams coming out of the eyes at me. No, no. Uh, like when you said that, I'm just sitting there. I'm like just blinking, like. Hmm. Well, oh, then. you fuck! <laughs> you fuck! I, I'm angry at how fucking clever that is because of all these sort of sort quote, quote unquote. Ships, these are the two I could see most likely. Yeah, these two are probably. Ko is the one I see most likely to having some of uh, Rin's clam chowder, if you will. Oh, okay, yeah. that's going too far. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. Fuck it. You channeled Anyways. Megan there for a second. Anyways, um, I, I, she gets mad at me every time I compare, like, Steph and... Her to Rin and Co. I always see <laughs> Steph. I always see Steph as Rin, and I always see Megan as Co. She doesn't actually. Agree with yes. That. Just... Actually, you, yes. You know what? Yep. <laughs> she would I agree be with Co. you. Okay, Fan artists uh, out there. Fan artists. If you want to draw Lilac and Megan dressed in that pose of Co and Rin on the floor together no. in their underwear. No. No. I will pay no. you for that. No. No. I am not bi or gay. No. The only way that Noah, the only way that's happening is if you read the Hardy X Noah fanfiction live. That's the condition. <laughs> Anyways, All right. Christmas way special. Are way off track. I gotta yeah. bring this ship around. Okay. So who did we have for predictions for? Uh, I got nothing. Noah. Noah. I had Leah Clark on this role, mostly because uh, her. Uh, Spunkier attitude while still being in the lower register reminded me a lot of her Kobayashi character. So I, like I said, Leah can do everything. So that's why I put her in that role. Okay. Uh, Jamal? I was trying to picture who could play sexy but tone it down a bit. So I had Morgan Garrett and Jamie Markey. You know what's funny? I think I also had uh, Jamie Markey. Uh, Co. Yes, I had Jamie. I had those exact same predictions. What the fuck? Wow, I'm impressed. It's like your uh, brain. The reason are I predicted uh, Jamie Markey, because previously, if you'll remember, I also predicted Monica Rial as Rin. You can see where I was getting with that. Uh huh. Yep. Anyways, uh, I shouldn't even need to explain. Jamal said it for me. I, I can't believe you, we had the exact same predictions. But uh, the lady who is actually playing. Uh, Ko Yagami, the character designer of the Fairy Story series, is, in fact, Michelle Rojas. Michelle Rojas, you might know for such roles as Toka Yatogami from Data Live, Toka Yada from Assassination Classroom, Aiha from Noragami Aragoto, Nashiro Yasuhisa from Tokyo Ghoul, and Kanan from Love Live Sunshine. Uh, oh, that was a burp. Okay. Bravo. Uh, apparently, uh, we've got Rick and Morty on the show now. Oh God, that, I'm not even going to attempt Morty. to do. Morty, this is Rick Foss. Morty. Morty. I haven't even seen Rick and Morty, and I know exactly what that is. What is this crap? 
you need, you to, need to watch that. it. No. Yeah. Uh, that is a piece of good animation. And speaking of good animation, Steph. That was a bad segue. Steph, <laughs> what, do you think? <laughs> what do you think of Rin's better half or worse half, arguably? Um, here's the thing. Um, I don't think we get to talk about Michelle Rojas that often. And I think the last time I know, I talked about um, Michelle Rojas. I think it was Kiss Him, Not Me. And if I recall right, when we did that episode, I think at least Megan and Gigi weren't as fond of Michelle's performance in there, and I was kind of growing into like growing into it a bit. Um, but here, it's the, basically the same voice that she kind of uses for that character in Kiss Him, Not Me. But I think it fits a hundred times better, and because Ko is. <laughs> She's a she's very smart. She is energetic. She's rather quirky in a sense, um, but she's also kind of a little bit crazy and out there. And she and she's also hiding kind of like um, a bit of a sensitive side too. Because remember, because Rin, Rin, Rin we referred to her as her special little project, and when she uh, dressed her up as a proper little cute girl for that interview, Aww. that was great. That um, was adorable. It was adorable. Like, that was so domestic. Like, that was me and Jenny in a, honey, you need to dress nice for this party we're going to moment. I also, that was also a moment I was like, wow, Rin thinks like two, three steps ahead because it's like, yeah. as soon as she stepped out, it's like, she I, she bumps into Alba. It was like, she asked me to stand here. Yeah. <laughs> like, she thinks you're really you ain't And then behind her, Rin just touches her shoulder and looks like this, of course, that devious this smile on her face, like you were trying to run away. Uh, but um, I, I but I think that um, because because I was saying that um, Kristen's performance in Rain was one of my favorites. I'd say Michelle's performance in Poe is probably my absolute favorite of the show, um, because she brings in so much spunk and energy, a bit tomboyish. Because um, Poe can be a bit of a tomboy at times, all things considered, and. Michelle just plays all those parts well, as well as some of the internal struggles that Ko deals with, especially especially in, in the end of the first season when we're kind of seeing like, oh, we want you to be the art director of the next game. And she's like, what? I don't think I can do this. I'm not a good leader. Nobody's going to follow me. They're all going to hate me. So you can kind of see that Ko has these inner struggles and conflicts that she deals with. So it's for her, it's not just all fun and games and sleeping in the office in her underwear, you know what I mean? Yeah. And Michelle is able to portray that very, very well, and I really enjoyed her performance. Hmm. Noah? I, I've never slept in an office in my underwear, but I can't imagine that would be really fun, honestly. Like, have you seen the carpets in offices? Like, They're usually really, like, uh, not very comfortable, so... Um. Oh, we're talking about the dub. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. I was about to say, she so, at least has a sleeping bag, doesn't she? Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but even then, like, when was the last time you slept in a sleeping bag? Oh, shit! We didn't bring up the best thing about the script. It's her hibernating bag. It's her hibernating bag. <laughs> oh, You know, that's a real no, thing now. Alba, oh, of though, course. isn't it? Yeah, that's that Alba. We never Alba. get to. We only get to see like the green or red sleeping bag. But damn it, Andrew, you ruined everything. Okay, sorry. Continue, continue. I just had to bring that out. We'll just move this around in editing. Anyways. Um, 
Here, here's um, all of the characters that we've talked about so far seem to fit into uh, really conventional anime archetypes that are um, like, like we've heard them before. The the thing that impressed me the most about Michelle's Co is that it's so natural sounding. Like you'll get a lot of times where you can um, have a lot of dialogue that's uh, moved to fit onto lip flaps, and you can see like heavy enunciation is being used, or there's uh, awkward pauses occasionally. I didn't notice any of that in Michelle's performance. It's very much like she's just in front of the microphone, speaking her lines very naturally, like she was talking to you or I, and it happens to fit the character of Ko very well. Which is good, because her personality, like you said, Lilac, does not lend itself to just the, uh, the archetype that we pin her for from episode one when we see her in her underwear. She's got a lot of layers to her, and I like that the sh this show, which could have been total fluff, takes that opportunity to kind of comment on the working conditions of Japan a little bit. It's not, it's supposed to be funny that she's uh, always sleeping over at work, but that's kind, that's not unusual. That's kind of like the demands of the Japanese workforce. I mean, I can't even imagine how it is for in, a, a video game producers. Like, I know in their mind, In their mind, that's not being, that's not a bad working condition. In their mind, that's being a loyal employee. Exactly, and uh, no one seems to address, uh, I think uh, Rin kind of addresses how unhealthy that is a little bit, but we're supposed to, as an audience, admire that about Ko. We're not supposed to think, oh, that poor abused woman. We're supposed to think, wow, she's a real go-getter. Um, actually, I, I'll say this. Uh, I think that the show isn't really going... I don't think it's really going for like the working conditions of Japan, but I think it's very much going into a discussion and conversation on the artistic struggle, which is absolutely something that is commented on with Ko a lot. And it, you see a lot more of that in season two, actually, which I'm not going to get into, but right. you see that a glimpse throughout the show as well as in the last episode of season one. But mm -hmm. she's got a really interesting arc in that she's so afraid of, like, kind of getting too into it because she sort of chased others away being too passionate because she's very talented at a very young age it's i think that's the difference to me with rin is that rin is like she's trying to be an older woman but she comes off as a bit of a teenager is that with michelle as co she is an older woman with like the mentality of an adolescent which i think is the yin and yang of these two characters actually the yin and yang of those two dub performances too now that i think about it is that michelle mm -hmm. she sounds here's the thing michelle i know her from uh tota toka yatogami from data live she was good as toka but she sounded too old for toka because toka was supposed to be alien high school girl in love with a man yada 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 mm -hmm. but this she's an she's a woman that just sort of never grew out of her younger era younger days younger mindset which works for ko a lot is that she is older and and sort of more experienced but she's younger and she's mentally younger and she kind of regressed a little in that regard and i think that's interesting and she does a great job showing that for ko that i'm really impressed with uh michelle rojas uh, okay glad, i'm glad you thought that because that is also the thought i had on it as well I, I would not have changed anything about this like just to end off my thoughts the exact words i wrote on my paper were for michelle's performance barely sounds like acting and i mean that in a, the highest compliment possible it is the best kind of dub acting where it does not sound like acting it sounds like natural voice coming out of the character you cannot even 
tell that you're watching a cartoon anymore. Hmm, good. All right. Jamal. What would... Uh, well, first off, I want to preface that it seems like Michelle Rojas has a penchant for playing lesbians because <laughs> Cole kind of looks like her character from Keijo. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Did, did we establish know. she was a lesbian in Keijo? I'm not Oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, it was implied she was a lesbian. Oh, it, and isn't isn't the character she played in Assassination Classroom, didn't she have a crush on, like, the fe- female class rep? I think so, yeah. I th- yeah, okay. I, I, I see where you're getting at. Okay, continue. Oh. Yeah, so pretty much when I hear Michelle in this role, it actually kind of fits. <laughs> Maybe I'll, pretty much it fits like a thousand times over. Like, she plays off all of Cole's aspects like, perfectly. <laughs> Even when she gets a little hyper, when she gets a little tired, like, you know, she just she's dedicated to her work but doesn't really want to budge for anything else, you know. She's very defensive pretty much whereas the yin to her yang win is very offensive and would do anything to look out for her friend <laughs> in more ways than one quotation marks <laughs> yes it was so adorable how the way that she was like oh no she got a phone call is she talking to a boyfriend and then we see no she's mommy talking to her mom. ah. <laughs> I, I love i love how she says that it's just mommy it's like uh like like Whoop. I can relate. Whoop. So I can. I just. Right. I can relate so much to. Like I, I think we all can all relate to that. Once we're like we're in the workforce and we're trying to like establish ourselves a little bit, but we still got the parent back at home who's like, you know, wants to make sure we're okay. And we're like, Mom, let me. Can't you just let me earn a four hundred one k on my own? Look, I've had plenty of awkward moments where I see my mom's calling and I'm like, this is the not the right time to be calling me, but I have to pick up. Otherwise, there's gonna be shit to play, pay later. Yeah, it's pretty much the same thing in the boss in the bar, where she's asking Albert if he, he had, she has a boyfriend, and she just refers it onto her, and you see her get flustered just as easily, if not more. All right. So yeah. Uh, so, do y'all think it's time we move on? Yes. I just I, ha- I have yes. the best segue that nobody else but Wait, you can guys I- can see right now. Can I say oh. one joke before you yes. move on? What? Her name is Ko because she's such a knockout. Hey. Okay, now you can move on. Let's let's tone this down a little, okay? I think we were all a little ag- aggressive there. Um, my my bet my best segue is, is is being screen shared right now on Skype, so no one else can mm-hmm. see it but you guys. <laughs> I think it's time we talk about this precious, precious cinnamon roll, <sighs> Hifumi Takimoto. Oh, Yay! My spirit animal. I not your not spirit even, animal, sir. She's not my spirit animal because I don't talk in as many emoticons as she does. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that Hifumi is not Noah's spirit animal in the slightest. No, no, I just mean in the sense that I want to, like, have a miniature version of her on my desk. So she's your waifu. Get it right. She's your waifu. <laughs> that's not, that's not and there's nothing animal, wrong with that. There's Do nothing I... wrong with that. Everyone... She's also my waifu in this show, too. She's adorable, and I, I love her. I will fight you, bitch. Fight me. Oh, boy. I will fucking fight you. I will fuck you up. 
Look, she's an adorable, precious little cinnamon roll. She has trouble with people, but she wants to do her best to, like, get friends and get people to like her. Yep. And she's actually working really hard to do that. She does a really good job looking after Alba, and she has a really adorable relationship with uh, the pet... Uh, pet... Uh, hedgehog. 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 She's, I, also, I was say, she's also a good cosplayer, too. Oh, and she's really yeah. amazing about cosplay. Amazing cosplay and actually kind of awesome. And kicks she's ass really playing video awesome. games. She's awesome. I love her, but she's shy and great. But she's going to be an interesting one to <laughs> yeah. uh, do predictions for. Uh, Noah, who did you have predictions for? Like you said, this one's hard to do because she has she basically has two different voices she needs. She needs the quieter, reserved uh, version that we see of her in person, but then her personality flips when we, we hear the voiceover of her text uh, speaking in uh, instant messaging. So uh, one person who I knew uh, could do both of those really well is Brittany Lauda because she played um, she plays a quieter, reserved character. She plays one of the twins in um, Alice and Zoroku. And also, uh, she, she, um, I'm not going to mention the game itself, but she's in a video game where Here she speaks. Here we go. And, it, and it's a very, um, it's a very energetic role. I'm just going to leave it at that. So Brittany Lauda is, was my prediction. Honey don't Excuse don't me. crucify me. me. I only have three lives left. Honey it's it's honey pop. Nobody's training no, the lizard now. We no. need to move on. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, no, I got this frog no. in my throat. <laughs> Man up, Noah. No, All right. I, you're being silly. Uh, so Jamal, uh, did you have any predictions for Hifumi? Yeah, I had three. Cause the whole thing about Hifumi is, a lot of times she tends to be apologetic and maybe a little moe. A so little had, Moe. Okay. Little the Moe. embodiment of it. Yes, 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 yes. So I had uh, Marissa Lenti. I can see that. Joe Harris. Mm -hmm. And Bryn April. Of course. I can see all of those choices. Actually, I only had one for Hifumi because I was having trouble with this, but I figured let's give it to somebody who I think could probably pull this off if given push come to shove. Jeannie Torado. Oh, yeah. I, I can see that. I really think think Jeannie Torado could have absolutely pulled it off with this character in terms of like the outcoming uh, text messages and the really shy reserved uh, performance that she gives. Anyways, as for who is actually playing Miss Ifumi Takimoto is Miss Jill Harris. The Jill Harris, you might know for such other roles as, damn it, I scrolled past it, uh, <laughs> as Kobayashi from Rampo Kitan, Sakura Kiyashiki from Assassination Classroom, Yume, Yumemi Hoshino from Planetarian, Mari Shina from Love Tyrant, and Fuka, I escaped the truck, I, Akatsuki. Anyways. Uh, there's a couple of us who probably have things to say on Hifumi, but you know who I think deserves the first word in about Miss Jill Harris as Hifumi? Jamal, the floor is yours. I'm sorry, can I just say I was half expecting you to squeal like you did with the Fuka no, episode. No, not again, not <laughs> again. I'm sorry, I half expected it to happen, I'm sorry, I had to say that. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> we'll add a squee in post-production. <laughs> No, we won't. No, ow, that ow. hurt. Yeah, y'all, y'all screw yourself. <laughs> we love you, okay, Jamal. Okay, so I the only, the reason I picked Jill is because 
like I said, she plays a lot of apartheid characters, like, almost every season. So when I see Hufumi, I'm like, yeah, it's going to be her. It's got to be her. But she plays it very well, and she plays all the different emotions, too. Like, <laughs> especially when she's, she's pretty good at cosplaying. I was surprised, like. Nobody has to talk to you. You just have to be good in front of a camera and just be like, hey, you want your picture? Mm. Yeah, but when your friends are looking for yeah. you and you see them in the crowd, then you start you're freaking like, out like, oh, shit. I don't want them to see me. I mean, but you, you, I mean, she could do the I'm side character very well, so. You got to stay in character throughout the whole convention, even when you're Res playing the video game. Respect. Yeah. Respect. Yeah. I mean, it's only logical in the sense, so. All right. I'm pretty, I'm pretty much tapped out on thoughts. Anybody else? Okay. Um. I fucking love Hifumi so much. She's adorable. Yes. She has all my gifts, and she's my actual life. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to apologize for that. I love her so much. Um. All please, of the gifts. Please let her enjoy breakfast. Please let her hedgehog love her. Uh, and yes. Let her enjoy her breakfast and let her. I, I love how she puts fucking emoticons on a fucking public forum. That's just silly. Uh, no, as for uh, the actual performance, uh, Jill is playing two different performances, which was actually something I missed in the sub version because I was I was too, reading it the whole time. That I never actually got the fact that she had two different vocal performances. Is that when she's chatting in text, she's happy-go-lucky, cute, willing to offer hand, which is what I typically expect of Jill Harris. And she sounded very much like what I expect to Jill sound in that role. But when she's actually talking, well, she's, she pulls off all that emotional rage. It's very quiet and subdued, but she does a really good job at actually getting that across with this character. How she's flustered and embarrassed, but she really wants to try and encourage people at the same time, even though she's not the best at it. It's... I was very impressed by Jill Harris doing this, actually, and... Unrelated notes, uh, she, she also is the voice of Sojiro, because it is her pet. Jill Harris also voices Sojiro, and this is a very, very unrelated thing. She sounded a lot like Erica Lindbeck saying Sojiro in Persona 5, just the way it was soft-spoken and kind of caring and loving. That's unrelated, but that's what I got from that. Let that hedgehog love her. Let people love her. Let her be loved. She's a good girl. Go watch season two. She's great in it. God damn it. Pers Persona God. 5. That, that's like a card game, right? <laughs> Why are you on an episode about video games again? Oh, right. Moe Girls. Okay. Noah. Why not? Why not? Of course. Put me on the, all the Moe Girls shows, which will maybe phased out, actually. We, we, we need, like, a new trend to take it over. But in the meantime, we have the wonderfully adorable... Takimoto. And I was most impressed by this because I, I don't think I've heard as many roles as you guys have uh, with Jill in them before. Like, I've heard her as a lead in Orange, and I've heard her in um, uh, in Fuka. And those kind of, like, gave me an idea about what her range was. So I wasn't surprised that she could do uh, both the quieter moments and the uh, I am moments. But I was surprised that she, uh, she didn't go over the top on either one of them. Her quiet moments weren't boring. And her instant message moments weren't uh, weren't annoying either. It was like a perfect blend of sweetness that I think 
holds it holds the entire cubicle together. Although I can I can highly imagine the servers getting really annoyed, thinking to themselves, "She is right behind you. Put down the keyboard and just talk to the damn woman." You're really gonna like her a lot in season two when you oh, get around to that. I, I have been watching it. Mm -hmm. Isn't it great? I it won't is. say anything, but it's so great. I just just pay just money. I started and fell asleep. <laughs> well, oh, no. it's. It's not a well. It's not a fast-paced show, so if if you, if it lulls you to sleep, then that doesn't surprise me. No, I'm just tired from work. Understandably, so that makes okay. sense. Okay. Oh, you just watched it. Got it. Got it. So, Steph. Mm -hmm. yeah. What do you think about this precious cinnamon child? Yes. Um. Well, first of all, did we ever offhand mention uh, the other person playing an animal? Uh, yes. yes. We I, talked about yes, Mozuku. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, Mozuku was Carly, and uh, Jill is voicing uh, Sojiro. Which, by the way, Andrew did not let us have a three-hour discussion about the animal characters, which I wanted to have, no, but for I some reason I, I was I voted down. I would have just bowed out right then and there, because I have nah, shit to do, like, work in the morning. Uh, <laughs> They're the two most important characters in the show. By the way, I love all of her, like, fantasies of Alba in, like, these different <laughs> outfits. Because, like, one, yes. she's in the hedgehog. And my favorite was when she's imagining that she realizes she's a little more devious than she lets on. Oh, my gosh. And she's just yeah. she's yeah. with her goddamn little devil outfit with the hard rock music. And, like... <laughs> anyway. That... Anyway. What's going through that poor woman's head? Anyway. Um, this is probably the quietest I've ever heard Jill before us. Because, like, characters I've seen her play in the past, like Fuga, um, her role in Orange, there's Kobayashi and Rumpelkitan, uh, Assassin's Classroom, Planetarian, which, by the way, again, yeah. constant reminder when we bring up that show, don't fuck the robot. Please you don't, don't tell me what to do. Don't fuck don't the put robot. your dick in Andrew, it. Andrew, I will you kick your ass like if you even try you that. You can ball like a little bitch because that show will make you sad. But don't fuck the robot. Um, don't put your dick in it. Yes, exactly. Gentlemen, do not stick your dick in that robot. Anyway. Just <laughs> do it. Anyway, yeah, this is the quietest I've ever think I've heard Jill go. And it's really interesting because, as you guys have been bringing up, there are these two sides to Kifumi uh, that Jill has to play. Basically, there's, I would I would call it probably her inner personality, where she's, where it's like her instant message personality, where she's more upbeat, happy-go-lucky, um, sounding a bit more confident in a sense. And then you have her outer personality, who's this kind of really timid, shy, doesn't really have any friends. Um, probably this very, this very socially awkward person, and it's really, really adorable. <gasps> Sorry, it's getting to that point in the night where I'm starting to crazy and I should go to bed. Um, Understandably so. So, yawning in my but, sleep. Um, I think that Jill pulled it off very well. Again, it's some slight unconventional casting because it's very, very quiet. But at the same time. It really does fit, and those moments um, that he Fumi is kind of just like, I don't know what to do. Should I be doing this? But I'm, I'm the senior right now. I should be telling them to be quiet and to get back to work. And then she just kind of gets frightened to trouble as well at the same time. 
<laughs> but I think it's a really adorable performance and it was really cute and Jill definitely fit the part of this group. He flew me rather well. So in closing, ten out of ten, Hifumi is Bay. Give her, I would give her a hug, and I'm jealous of that fucking hedgehog. Anyways, wrapping <laughs> off, it's time we get to our brand new employee of Eagle Jump, Miss Alba Suzukaze, the bright-eyed, pit twin-tailed, fresh out of high school. I don't believe she got a job out of high school. I don't believe that minute. either. It's Japan. Obviously, I, let, let's be that's honest, why I say I don't believe it. It's Japan. <laughs> I don't believe the show is a hundred percent realistic in terms of making video games, so it's suspension of disbelief. But at the very least, th- she is our leading lady. And who did you all predict for? Absolutely nothing. Noah. I'm. I well, I'm, I shouldn't be ashamed, but I. I, I defaulted to uh, the very. Uh, the very talented, the very beloved, and the very obvious Bryn April. I also defaulted to Bryn April as High well. five. Jamal, did you? Might as well give me a high five, too. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> yeah. Why am, I not, I, why am I not surprised with any of you? <laughs> that made it more ironic <laughs> when she, when Bryn voiced her best friend instead. Um, yeah, there was a I should bring up that there was um, a Periscope episode of uh, for Soccer Request that Caitlin was hosting just today, actually. And in that, uh, they had uh, Bryn on that episode. And they were talking to her, and she kind of mentioned that she actually liked the opportunity to try other roles outside of the cutesy Moe voices that she's kind of pigeon-held as. And I agree, she should be allowed to do that. But damn it, Bryn, you are so good at those roles. Yeah. You are so good. I mean, I've heard her in other roles, too, like... She, she can pull off other things, too, but even, right. like, the roles where she does do the technical Moe girl, she brings a lot to the table, especially in characters like Hiyori and Hikari Takanashi. Uh, anyways, back to predictions. Uh, I had Sarah Wiedenhef as well for Alba. Did you have any more? I, I, I predicted Shirley Temple raised from the grave. So that's a no from Noah. Uh... Joel? I was one and done, so... One and done? Yep. So, Bryn and Sarah were the two predictions we had for Alba. Now, the person who is, in fact, voicing Miss Alba Suzukaze... I actually thought it was Suzukane when I first heard it, so I was surprised it was Kaze. I I had to mix it up with Shizuku, so I didn't really try. Understandably. (laughs) Okay, the person voicing Alba is Megan Shipman. (laughs) Megan Shipman, you might know from such performances as Neko Fujinomiya from Masamune's Kun Revenge, Hanamura Kunikita from Love Life Sunshine, Hibari from Senren Kagura, Akane Hyakuya from Seraph of the End, and Kami from One Piece. Who wants to go first to talk about Alba? Okay, I'm just going to uh, pick people. Steph, you're up! Hmm. I like it. <laughs> I know, that was so Me dramatic. Too. Uh, <laughs> um, let's see, because... I don't think I've really seen Megan Shipman in a lead, lead role yet before. Um, so, the, obviously this would make it a rush for me. And, because the only other times I've heard Megan Shipman, it's this really, really, really 
like kind of more obnoxious character. Unfortunately, the one that comes to mind right now is Sky Wizards Academy. But um, we we don't talk about Sky Wizards Academy. Never talk about Sky Wizards Academy. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, but I think Alba is a bit more. I think Alba, if I had to guess, is a bit more of like her natural sounding vocal range. But I'm just taking a wild guess here, and it. I think it fits really well because not only does she play. Oh my god, it's so good. You'll get to bed soon, uh, Steph. I know, I'm getting there. It's slowly getting that time of night, though. Anyway. We're almost done. It's. Um, it works really well because a mixture of this, like, naive, like, doe eyed, fresh out of high school girl who's going into her first job, her first. her, her career, basically. And you, it's it's like it's kind of like you're watching your yourself to an extent because let's face it, some of us are, have probably been in a similar situation like this before, where it's like your first real big job out of school, and you're kind of really excited and you're just kind of doughy at everything. You're a bit naive to how everything works, so it's kind of like you're reliving that a bit. But at the same time, with Alba. Oh, I lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? Uh, doe-eyed, fresh out of high school, uh, reliving through Alba. She's basically all of us right out of high school. She's basically the fantasy of getting to work out of school and enjoying it. It's a nice fantasy. No, there was a different part I was going to make and then I lost it. <laughs> Alright, uh, sh should, we, should we come back to that? It might come back to me, it might not. Yeah. If, it doesn't, okay. if it doesn't ever come back to me, then oh well, but... Um, point is, you liked it. Point is, I like it. Um, yeah. It's so, Noah. Um, you know how you were talking about how um, uh, Michelle Rojas's uh, portrait... No, I'm sorry, it was uh, Kristen. How Kristen's portrayal uh, was, to you, Andrew, the most different from the Japanese to your ears? Yes. Um, I had that reaction to uh, listening to Aoba's Japanese voice and then listening to Megan Shipman because... Uh, the Japanese had a higher register, um, obviously going for the archetype that is, uh, is the lead in a lot of different shows um, and is a few octaves up there. But Megan brings it down a bit more to, it's still high, like it's still like soprano level, but it's, it's, it's a little lower, it's a little closer to the ground. And in doing so, I think it actually adds a little bit of credence to it because the, the character designs on this show. The character designs on the show. Nobody looks like the age they're supposed to be. This is Lucky Star mentality where 20-year-old people look like they're still in middle school. So to have Megan's uh, slightly lower voice lends a little credence to the belief that she's actually an 18-year-old just starting work for the first time. Because it actually sounds a little more like an 18-year-old girl would. And throughout the whole thing, I was impressed by her ability to maintain that level of wide-eyed innocence and bewilderment at the new job while still striving to be really good at it. The only critique I could have, and th this is something that just kind of creeps into all anime dubs every once in a while, is that she has a tendency to over-enunciate, like she enunciates very heavily, and some people they may not bug them, but it takes me out of the experience a little bit when I hear people, when I hear actors over-emphasizing some of the syllables a little bit. But it wasn't so much to take me completely out of the experience. Like, I still really liked uh, her take on it. And I'm kind of glad that she actually, we did get someone with a slightly lower register 
uh, to make it different than the Japanese, because there should not be a one-to-one -one comparison. It's supposed to be an um, localization for an English audience, and in uh, casting Megan in this, I really dug it. Okay, yeah. And Jamal? Well, there's a reason I gave Megan Shipman my underrated actor award at the Dubbies, because anytime we ever talk about her, it's either a good role in a good show, a good role in a bad show, or a bad role in a bad show. But I do think Megan really does shine here. Like, this is probably one of her best roles yet. I mean, she provides the spunk and energy like I've seen her in Pandora, and she brings it here. But she manages to keep it very focused so that she doesn't get out of line with the character. Not to mention, like, she's... She, here's the thing about Mega Shipman. She is so in love with her characters. Like, I've seen her cosplay Hanamaru. I've seen her cosplay Shimakaze. I'm waiting to see her cosplay Alba in person. Like, she's already got the purple hair and everything. That's how much energy she brings to the character. Agreed. Yeah. Now, did she, uh, did she just dye her hair recently? Because I only noticed it in the yeah. Periscope uh, episode I was talking about. Yeah, I think she said that like she quit her job and dyed her hair, and and, and at that moment, <laughs> that's at right. that moment she was cast in this album. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. true. That they did talk that's about. A, that's she, really fun. She actually. quit her day job, and that's when Clifford. Like, she mentioned that to Clifford, and Clifford said, "You want to come audition to be the lead in New Game?" <laughs> that's funny, actually. That's hilarious. No, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I really liked Megan Shipman actually, and as you said. I completely believe that this was actually somebody of high school age just from the way her voice sounded compared to, like, her Japanese, which I actually thought was a plus. Uh, she's got a lot of energy, comedic timing, and goofy, fun moments, and I really enjoyed her quite a lot, actually. She's a great lead, and I'm really excited to see what she pulls off for season two as well. I think she did a great job. I'm not quite used to understanding or... Like, I haven't quite pieced together Megan Shipman's, like, acting voice and real voice. Like, it, it, I, I can't tell um, apart. But I will what send she you brings... That. I will send she, you that Periscope episode. What she brings to uh, New Game is... She has a lot to it. I really did. I meant to watch that, but I've been kind of busy today, so I feel bad about that. I've been at work it's all okay. day today, so... I watched it and I was at work. <laughs> well, <laughs> my friends... To. My friends, guess what? It's time for us to punch out. What did you all think? Oh, thank think? God! Ironically enough, all think it's usually this late. At, it's usually this late at night in the show too when they punch out. It's, yep. it's funny because it's true. It's <laughs> funny because it's true. Unless We're not going to catch that last. Unless you're and you stay the night, then everybody guys, leaves, guys. and then it's just like I just let it all out. All right, so let's go back in the roundtable order that we've been. Uh, going before. So, Steph. Yes. What did you think of New Game and its dub? I was probably the one person who went into the show completely blind. Because um, I had heard good things beforehand, and last summer it wasn't a show that, last year when it came out originally, it wasn't a show that wasn't even on my radar. Um, but then when I saw what happened with this dub, I was like, okay, I have to do this now. And because also I missed out on all sorts of work too because you guys are mean. um <laughs> but sorry <laughs> but i really enjoyed the dub it was a lot of fun very it was full of energy and 
laughs and it was something it was a mix of something that you could relate to um in terms of again like alba your first job coming out of school and everything like that and it's also interesting in the way of if you're a person who's into video games and you're at least slightly curious as to how video games are made it's not the majority of the show itself no but it at least gives you like a small glimpse into that world and how video games are made so it's a win-win on, on both those ends and the dub itself it's absolutely phenomenal from the staffing end to the performances in the show even though there are like maybe just the one or two uh, that it just took a little bit of time to adjust to, but that's more only because you're not, you, you don't hear these certain, these actresses in these kinds of roles. Um, but I think that New Game is phenomenal. I'm sad I didn't watch it the first time when it came out uh, last year, but I'm, we very, forgive you. I'm very glad I hopped on the bandwagon now, and I'm, I haven't started season two yet at all. Um, so I'm very excited to see where season two goes. And I've been wanting to say this the entire fucking episode. Because you know how we were saying that Cliff's a goddamn workaholic? I'm a workaholic too. Dude, are we best friends yet? <laughs> <laughs> Us workaholics, we gotta stick together and then go take a nap because goddamn, there's too much going on. <laughs> I'm, Look, I'm done. It's... it's a great show. Phenomenal dub. I loved it. Basically, he just sleeps on any surface, yes. and he just wakes up whenever Cubby, like, licks his face or something. That's like me. <laughs> I will sleep anywhere at this point if I'm just that exhausted. I'm just, ugh. We're, we should be best friends at this point. We're, us workaholics, we gotta stick together. Come on now. Come on now. Sp speaking of being exhausted, let's move on to the father of two and working man. <laughs> How did you know? I was going to say, you, you people are exhausted. I got kids to take care of. Good for you. I have long ass hours of work and editing and a bunch of other shit. But yeah, I don't. I don't have Same kids. Uh, so lucky me for right now. For right I was gonna now. say I lurk long hours too, and I've also edited. So you don't edit as often as I do, buddy. That's true. I don't. So sure. No, I'm segueing into you being tired. We're all tired. Give us your thoughts, sir. <laughs> um, I think sleep is overrated, and if we could get that one device from Kado, the right answer <laughs> no, that lets you... No, you don't. Avoid... We don't need the saga. No, you brethren no, idiot. What did you think the of the cute girls making video games and having anxiety? <laughs> it almost makes me want to play video games. Almost. Not quite, but almost. Okay, so, yeah, um... When this show first aired in simulcast, I think uh, I think it was Re-Life was the other big show that everyone was watching at the time period. No. And I could not get, I, I could not quite get into that show. But I got into this show really easily. I think I like marathoned it right after it finished uh, airing all in like an afternoon. And this dub was also really, really easy to uh, marathon as well. Like for, for you people in the future, like... 20 years in the future, when we're all in the retirement home, this show was released to Funimation streaming site six episodes at a time in the dub for season one, so that they could have it ready in time to be releasing season two, episode to episode. And in the in regardless of that time crunch, you would not know because they did a really good job on this, captured all the archetypes really well, had lots it sounded like they had lots of fun making it. And it really does encapsulate this dream perspective of what working in your dream office job may be like. Like, 
like one thing that I really admire about Dobokobo's production on this is that they make the office itself look really inviting. They add colors to the wall, patterns, and everyone's got their own unique floral design and they're part of the cubicle. It's really, really uh, kind of makes you forget how it's stressful working can actually be. So to have that sort of escapist mentality, even as someone who actually works in a cubicle, it, I can still admire it. Like I thought I might not like it at all because it was like, Ugh, this is too much like real work. But no, it's not. It's the, it's the it's the best parts of a day at the office with cute girls in it. And I'm so glad that Dobokobo keeps up their tradition of making cute girls with slight lesbian undertones. Do not ever change, you wonderful Japanese bastards, you. Jamal, your thoughts? Well, first off, when I didn't even know about a new game for like the longest while, like I only came about it when Andrew showed me a gif of Umiko eating the cream puff. And I asked him like, "Hey, Andrew, who's this Aoyasu Hina looking girl?" <laughs> <laughs> I, rem I remember that happening. Yeah, so when I heard about the show, I didn't really think anything of it at first until the they announced the dub. I was like, "Okay." I, cause now I was re I really wanted to see it, and when I did see it, I was pretty much impressed. I mean, most of the show. I mean, even though it's not an accurate depiction, not maybe 10, 20 percent accurate, it did make me think about getting into coding and doing video games. But the show as a whole is pretty much slice of life, and I really like the story of it. I really like the characters, the development, everything. I was just so enthralled by it. And the dub, the dub is phenomenal. I think everybody was well casted. If there were any missteps along the way, that's because this whole thing was kind of rushed. I mean, this only they only started on it like six weeks ago, I think. The fact, so yeah, okay, the re released six weeks ago. No, they started recording on it six weeks ago. Are you sure? I thought it was yes. No, because from the middle of July is when they released the first six episodes. Yeah. They recorded four weeks before that. Okay. I forgot what week of the year we were on. Point is, it, it, can't, it was, it, it's it been a couple of weeks, maybe like two months or something. So so even though it's phenomenal, it's not even the final product yet. I, I'd probably guess like maybe another six months or so, we'd probably see it closer to home release. I don't know yet. I do know it's... Clifford's insane, and to have this huge team work on the entire show, it's, it's just, it's insane, but it's phenomenal at the same time, All and right. I'm really glad he attempted this. Alright, uh, I'll be a little, I'll try to be quick, but I do have some work. Keyword on um, try. No, no. Keyword on try. <laughs> I will say, Andrew, you've been a very good host this episode. I, I'm impressed, so if you've got words to speak, you have earned your three-hour digression. Not three hours, no. I will oh, did I say hours? No. I, I I meant seconds. 30-second digression. <laughs> it's not going to be 30 seconds, and you know it. Okay, I'll say this. I remember when I first watched New Game, I actually really liked it, but I just sort of thought it was fun and comfy and cute. And you know what? Watching it again, I realized it is really fun and comfy and cute, and it makes me feel good after a really shitty day, and that's what that kind of show is. Mm -hmm. But there's extra stuff in there that I didn't quite piece together, which is, in fact, the stress of the creative life 
the having to work extra hours to get it complete what happens when you do it for like passion and all that there's really interesting questions and things that are proposed while it's probably not like a realistic scenario and environment this is very much like a workplace comedy but it is a workplace and what what does it mean to be an employee what does it mean to be working your passion what do you have to give up to do the things you want to do and i think that's really interesting questions and I was sort of surprised with how clever and interesting and the extra layer that was in characters like Ko and Aoba that I was really fascinated by. As for the dub itself, even if it was just a couple of weeks, it's a very fucking impressive product all around. Like, there's some interesting choices, but there, there's nobody in this dub I think is bad at all. There's characters that are odd, or maybe ones I prefer more than others, not a single one of these people is bad at all. The script is very fun and fine. The direction's amazing. It's really well done. It's fun. It keeps the spirit of the sub while adding its own little extra touches and little things there. I was very impressed all around. And I'm really looking forward to Season 2's dub, which just started as of this Tuesday. And I can't wait to see what they've got in store for the show as well as for the dub. Now, if you want to go ahead and watch the dub of New Game, you can go over and watch it on Funimation now. If you want, you can go sign up for a 14-day free trial, or you can watch the first two episodes completely free with ads, of course, and decide if you want to watch more from there. You can also watch the subtitled version of New Game over on Crunchyroll and Verve, which is very affordable prices for four nine somewhere between six ninety five a month for Crunchyroll and four ninety nine a month for Funimation now. And with that being said, uh, if you would like to follow us of the things we do at the Dub Talk Podcast, you can follow us over at Twitter at Dub Talk Podcast, our twit, our Tumblr, our Instagram page, and. Yeah, we're calling it a night. I think it's about time we start plugging ourselves. Where can we find you, lovely folks? Lovely folks. Are you asleep? Who's on first? Who's on I guess first? this is what happens when you conduct everybody. Steph, you're the boss. You go first. Now you know my pain. Um, <laughs> now you understand. Um, my name is Stephanie. Sometimes people call me Lilac as well. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lilac Anime Review, where I post about my daily life and shenanigans. And just as a side note, because if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, by the time this episode does come up, uh, we'll have gone to A Fest, and you'll probably eventually see a vlog from our trip to A Fest. So be on the lookout for that, as well as a variety of other things, because we finally solidified our summer lineup. Uh, I don't really think we have to share what it is right now um, we don't we'll, we'll we'll surprise the we'll, audience we'll just surprise you guys we're not really gonna do any kind of announcement like we've done for spring and fall because let's face it summer we and got winter we, aren't exactly usually the most largest of seasons we got we, there there's a couple of things cooking in the pipeline there's some fun stuff in the works um but yeah speaking of cooking Noah, and or Jamal, because I think you both like cooking. Noah, you go first. Oh, I love cooking. And as, as you pointed out earlier, I, for some reason, decided it would be a great idea to watch an episode of Food Wars on the big monitor at work. 
Apparently, so where, did, where was that picture posted, my decision. friend? That picture was posted on my Twitter account, which you lucky folks can also follow, at Noah Clue, which is a pun from, oddly enough, I just realized, that name, that my username is actually from a video game. It's from a PC game, but it still counts. You so, like video games, you fuck. I know, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a video game slut. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, Jamal. I can't, do, I can't do this anymore. Go, go. Jamal, where can the lovely people find you? Well, when I'm not cooking, crunch editing, exhausting myself to death, or watching these episodes on my Xbox, you can find me on uh, Jamstar529 on my Twitter, Jamstar1 on YouTube, or pretty much face down in my pillow somewhere else. <laughs> Passed out in a ditch. <laughs> and if you lovely people would like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at MangaMan9000, or you can see me lurking around the Funimation forums, or my other podcast gig, where I am a regular on the podcast ONA for Surreal Resolution discussing anime news and things. And with that Hey, being, hey Andrew, I just realized something. What did you realize? Is it... Is it podcast owner? Because I think it sounds like a Persona reference. It is not a Persona reference. It is in relation to original net animations. That is the thing. Or owner hole. What? I'm no, so I think it's time we go to bed, everybody. We? We, we, yeah. we don't, we've pulled this all-nighter. We, we've clocked in our extra uh, work we... for the week. It's time for us to punch out. We're not Andrew, we missed the last... For this shit either. We damn. missed the final mm -mm. train, though. We're gonna have to spend the night in the hot springs, I'm afraid. I ain't sharing a hot fuck spring. Yeah, I'm biking. I'm going to I'm enjoy biking. that hot spring right the fuck now. All right, otaku on, my friends. Let's get some fucking milk. Good night, everybody. Bye, guys. What's a video game? God damn it, Noah. I...